Everyone wants to stay younger and skinnier for longer, and there is one word that keeps popping up in this industry. Peptides. 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 Peptides? What is a peptide? BBC, oh, BBC 157. GLP-1. BPC 157, GLP-1, STD-69. <laughs> what does that even mean? I had to have these questions answered, so I sat down with Nuviva Medical Weight Loss and T-Clinics because I wanted to find out, one, have they found a miracle weight loss pill? And two, I've got one thing I really want to achieve in life. Yeah, I just want that Jared Leto effect. And I found my answer, so enjoy the show. Thank you for driving all the way from Miami. Yeah. It's a long drive. Not a fun one. <laughs> First of all, thank you for coming. I mean, I said thanks for, you, you didn't drive as far. No, I'm close. <laughs> 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, so for the people listening, um, just let them know what you do. And then, I mean, we'll see where it goes. So Alex and I are partners on two medical practices. We do medical weight loss and hormone optimization for men. We've been in the business. Um, actually, Alex was in before me. Years. 2005, I think you were. Six, yeah. I've been in healthcare for about 20 years um, and then mm -hmm. migrated more into health and wellness. Yeah, so I started my practice originally here in Fort Myers. Um, started focusing more on like hormone replacement, anti-aging medicine. Um, I'm not a doctor. I partnered with a doctor. And then um, Jeff was a friend of mine from the gym, new nutrition. Kind of uh, was the, the dieting weight loss guru of the, of the gym. So basically asked him if he could help me with my clients who were looking for weight loss services. We realized we, had, we actually had something with that. Mm -hmm. Opened up a weight loss clinic. Um, and then since then we've opened up what, 15 more since then. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. It's been a good journey. Yeah. So 15, where are they located? All in Florida, mm -hmm. um, Fort Myers, Naples, Port Charlotte, Tampa, Sarasota. Well, Sarasota's opened and closed since now. So, um, COVID no, well before it was, uh, it was managed by somebody who ultimately chose another path halfway through. So, uh, okay. Some of them were franchises. Some of them were, were ours. So our owned offices are still open. Mm -hmm. uh, a few on the East coast. We have a Coral Springs office, a Boca Raton office, um, a couple in Orlando, a couple in Orlando, Melbourne, Melbourne, Florida. See, whenever you guys say Melbourne, I think of home. Yeah. 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 It just no, throws me far. off. <laughs> like, not that what? far. <laughs> I was going to say, sweet. We're, we're, you guys are branching out. Yeah. 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 We have one coming up in the Cape soon. Yeah. Cape Coral's coming. Um, a men's clinic coming up in Fort Myers soon. So. Yeah. Wow. So you got a few, you got a few pumping out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so. It's good, good, good business right now. With New Viva, like, what is that one in particular? Like, what do you guys focus on in that, that section of your business? So, I mean, Nuviva by definition is the weight loss clinic. Um, so Nuviva medical weight loss, therefore we're specialized in that. We always kind of, my, my thoughts in business was always open a practice that was specific to a certain initiative rather than being the company that offered everything and people wondering if you were good at anything, open something specific and stay in your lane. Um, so we, we stayed in the lane of weight loss and, and did really, really well with it. So by definition, medical weight loss, we combine nutrition concepts and the idea of you know eating right, but then we, we accompany it with a medical idea so we can give medications through the physicians we work with. Okay. So there's, you know, medications like appetite suppressants and injectable vitamins. We use injectable based products like uh, HCG, which is a hormone. There's a new drug called semaglutide, which has been like all the rage. So that's been a big thing. Mm. Um, so with the um, appetite suppressants, what does that typically do to the person in terms of what, like what makes us have that appetite suppressed? 
with the, those medications? Well, as far as with like something like phenamine, um, a lot of those medications, depending on if you get into like Contrave or um, Burepion or Phentermine in general, which is probably the commonly most commonly used one. Back then, it used to be actually Fenfen, um, Phentermine with like Dexamphetamine, but they um, they are amphetamine der- derivatives, so that a lot of times they tend to control or cut appetite, so it makes it easy uh, for someone to adhere to a diet. Um, we really don't like using those medications for what most people use them for um so we actually do a lot lower dose medications we have a lot of clients that don't even use appetite suppressants and kind of take a step back you know when we built the program there's so many medical weight loss clinics and and a couple of the bigger ones were more geared towards here's a one diet most of them are starvation diets let me load you up on things that you're not going to eat and people would lose weight but they'd end up wrecking their metabolism and then when they were done and they stopped taking appetite suppressants they started eating again they gained a lot of that weight back so you know when we started kind of developing Nuviva it was how can we change the lifestyle habits how can we teach them the fundamentals of nutrition that most of us were never taught in school um, and slowly do that you can't do it all overnight so we kind of have phases to the program that teach the people not to skip meals how to calorie count, how to macro micro time, or what that means, just what, what types of food at what time, mm-hmm. and and teach them the true fundamentals of what's going to keep the weight off for the client. So our goal was to, how can we teach them the fundamentals, give them some things to help them adhere to the plan, which a lot of people lack discipline initially coming in. So those are definitely great additives to help them get the job done, or at least you know get them making the lifestyle change habits and once people realize it's more the food and and how to eat a lot of them manage it long term yeah but but, you know going back to the original question about like what is an appetite suppressant having willpower is ultimately like the key in losing weight right like knowing what to eat when to eat it having that initiative to want to go exercise having that initiative to drink water instead of sodas and you know all the things we know to do yeah the idea of taking something that just kind of turns off the want for food and giving you that kind of subconscious and physiological ability to like stay away from the bad stuff is is really what and why they work right so if i gave you a pill and said don't eat donuts and instead eat you know egg whites and 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 whatever for breakfast you're gonna have an easier time doing that because you're not having that 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 craving and they also are stimulants generally so it gives people a lot more energy. So the phentermine, specifically the drug we prescribe at the office, um, it's in the same classification as you know Adderall or any of these other type of drugs that have these like stimulant effects. Mm-hmm. So people are awake and alert and they want to go exercise or do more and inherently they don't want to eat. So, yeah. But that causes its own problem because suppressing your appetite too much you know, can sacrifice your, your metabolism. Mm-hmm. If you don't eat, uh, if you skip your breakfast and you skip your your lunch, you know essentially you're kind of killing your metabolism, and that's something we don't really want to um, to to kind of encourage. We want people to still have that desire to eat breakfast, to still have that lunch, have, have that dinner, you know, keep the metabolism moving. Yeah. So what if someone? Because you you mentioned just then uh, skipping breakfast. I skip breakfast. It's actually been a conscious choice. The since I moved to America, I never used to. I felt better from it. Um, and I don't know, I don't feel like a lack of energy, but I don't know if it's a case of, you know, you're a year and a half in Blake, it's still early. Well, you're young, you're a young male, uh, mm. who's, who's fit. I'm sure you exercise too. So training, if I was training every day, that would still boost my metabolism. Fine. Yeah. So, so people skip their breakfast, um, who are more sedentary people and their mm-hmm. metabolism slow down accordingly because they're not putting 
that food into the body that the body has to understand that there's food coming in. So mm -hmm. if you get into this consistency over long periods of time of always skipping that meal, the body will essentially slow itself down knowing that meal's not coming. Yeah. But then you take a person who eats breakfast every single day of their lives and all of a sudden take breakfast away, they're going to lose weight, right? Because like, of course, you're yeah. not supplying that energy source that their body was used to. So the intermittent fasting was kind of this concept that everybody's like, oh, I can lose weight doing it. It wasn't for everyone. It's mm -hmm. for people who are active, who have the, the metabolism to support it, or who come from a pre-existing history of having eaten at that same interval. Mm. Yeah, because I've noticed, I've, I don't know, I've by not having carbs in the morning, because I used to love oatmeal. That was my go-to. But by cutting it, I was like, man, I'm way more alert. And then trying to avoid having carbs. I basically moved into a, a America. I flipped how I ate. A more keto to, style or something. It was more that I would, I would carb load in the morning. And then I taper off the carbs and eat more vegetables and right. you know, meat before yeah, it kills I go to me. bed. People yeah. eat the shittiest breakfast. They eat donuts and waffles and pancakes. Oh, I wasn't that bad. Well, it but was, you, it was that way, if you look at what's on an average <laughs> breakfast menu, it's all high starchy carbohydrates, mm. fruits, sugars, garbage. Pop-tarts. Yeah, you eat this stuff when you go on vacation and I'd want to go right back to bed. You know, like it's the worst thing. And so most of the time, a more energetic and clear-headed person can eat protein in the morning. Mm. You know, and that, you have those carbs, you're going to feel like bogged down or at least have a crash. Yeah, but going back to like even what you were saying with like intermittent fasting, there's so many benefits. Like if you look at it for, you know, and there's not one diet's better than another, right? And But what we found too with a lot of the weight loss clients is what's going to get them back to prevent what they're doing wrong. Most people who skip meals tend to do what? Overeat later. Um, mm. And then you're skipping a small portion. You know, intermittent fasting in the morning, you got less insulin response, increased growth hormone levels, your mental clarity is a lot better, autophagy happens. Um, so there are some benefits decreasing. What's autophagy? Uh, like, what do you say? Uh, just the, what uh, yeah. you say? Autophagy? <laughs> uh, uh, autophagy, yeah. <laughs> so just like cellular replication, like the cell health is a lot better as well. Mm -hmm. But what happens is, you know, so through the morning, it's not a bad thing, but the problem is people who I'd say the world takes good dieting protocols and they make it fit what they want to do. So like intermittent fasting turned into this, I'm not going to eat all day and I'm going to eat whatever the hell I want for one meal. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden they're just like blowing it out. And so uh, you take someone who's sedentary, who doesn't already have a good metabolic rate and have them fast all day. And then they throw down at night. It's kind of insult to injury, yeah. right? Yeah, like how, many, how many times have you had a client that would come and tell you, well, I'm, I've been intermittent fasting. And you're like, this person has no idea actually how to diet. Yeah. They just found a word that fit into what they like to do. Mm. And they didn't like to eat breakfast. So all of a sudden now they were following a diet. Yeah, But you are a lot more clear-headed. Um, like I said, intermittent fasting, we actually do have an intermittent fasting protocol in in our plan because sometimes it just fits people's schedule a little bit better. Um, we try not to do longer than like a 16-hour a, a fast. We still try to get the client like an eight-hour eating window, controlled healthy eating window versus mm -hmm. just the whatever, yeah. you know, so we still have a chance to kind of get some food in, make sure they have enough calories so they're not too low and, and they're not slowing down their metabolic rate. So it, once again, there's many ways you could diet. It's how it's applied, you know, for what we do in the weight loss programs, we try to cater it to the average weight loss person that doesn't have a good metabolic rate, doesn't have good habits, and how can we adjust it to get them back to what we feel is the best way to eat so they can manage their weight. You know, if we, we try to prescribe to small frequent eating, keep blood sugar stable, you know, try to reduce carbohydrates and sugar later in the day, but just don't set them up to overeat, which is a problem for a lot of people that don't have that discipline or never had that discipline. And that's discipline. kind of a negative, going back to the appetite present thing, when they wear off, 
You can take it in the morning and it keeps you up all day, so you can't take it at night because it'll keep you up all night. Yeah. When it wears off, all of a sudden everybody's starving, you know, yeah. and that's a problem with those drugs too, you know. So Have you also thought, so my theory behind why we crave carbs at night is because we're trying to keep ourselves awake. So this is, this is pure Blake science right now. <laughs> but it's like, if you look at when you typically crave the shit food, it's because it's sugar and carb based. It's typically at night and it's usually after the sun's gone down. So your circadian rhythms are telling your body, all right, it's time to go to sleep. But then now you're watching television or you want to get some work done. And as a result, your body's telling you, all right, if you want to stay awake, I need these foods. And therefore we start. I, 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 I think was told it's the opposite. Well, I always I'm, thought about the bear who eats a bunch of like honey and garbage before he hibernates. You know, it's a good way to. Yeah, I, honestly, what I for the long that's just Blake long, science. No, I was gonna say that. I, listen, I like the Blake science. I, I, I think what happens for most people is you're home, you're sedentary, you you think about food a lot more, and you tend to like the more you think about the food that's in the pantry, and obviously when you you have time to think about it, you're gonna probably pick the not so good choices or want mm. the not so good choices. Um, I think too, just the way society's brought up, you know, when we were younger, like you have your dessert at night, you know, after dinner you have dessert. Yeah, so people funny, get ingrained eh? to like thing. having those types of comfort foods at nighttime before you go to sleep. I don't so. remember the last time I had dessert. I just, yeah. I cut it out. Cause I was like, why do I, why do I have to? Yeah. Unfortunately, I still have my dessert. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to earn it. You know, you have to work hard and diet all day. And then like, you can afford mm. to have those extra calories. There's a lot of people that think, you know, I shouldn't eat one hour before going to sleep. And that's like a big, no, no, and dieting, which is not always a no, no, and dieting. You know, if you eat correctly all day long and you're calorie deficient, and mm. maybe you have a little bit more calories in the evening before you go to sleep, and as long as you're not going into excess, you technically shouldn't be putting on weight. You may not be losing weight, mm. but you really shouldn't be putting on weight if you don't go over your caloric budget. If I, yeah. If I got paid a dollar every time I heard I shouldn't eat after 6 p.m., I'd be rich. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, and, and a lot of people like hear this. And then once again, this goes to, I guess, a lot of like information overload or mi misinformation that's out there. You know, like he just said, if you're within your calories that your body could use per meal and you're within your calories for the day, if you're in a deficit and you're trying to manage weight, you, every two to three hours while awake, you should have something. If you're awake, there's a metabolic demand. Why wouldn't you support it? Yeah. Yeah. We used to use that analogy, like the metabolism is like a, like a bonfire. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not gonna throw one large log on it when it's, you know, trying to burn because this is gonna put it out, right? Yeah. You want to put like little sticks on it, keep it burning all day long. It's easy to think about that as an analogy. It's like mm. throw little sticks, keep it burning, nice and hot. You know that. That's so, this, so like the what was it? Someone said that in, in personal training back in the day. It was like paper lights it quick. That's the sugar. The sticks and little bits are like the fats, and then the big logs are the bricks. So the sorry, protein. the protein is oh, the, the bricks. Protein. Right. So bricks eventually do burn. Yeah, right. But, but you got to get the metabolism burning hot enough to want to burn them. When well, yeah. that gets into like breaking down science with like thermic effect of food and like what it does <laughs> internally. Yeah, yeah I don't, don't want to open that one up. But you know, yeah. it, there's new drugs on the market that, you know, yes, we do use because they're, they're effective, but at the same time, they also have that same detriment to kind of change the behavior pattern against what we're talking about right now too. Mm -hmm. You know, all the rage right now is, is this drug called semaglutide. Everybody wants it. Ozempic, Wagovi, you, you know, you hear about if you're in this so industry. What is it for anyone who's not familiar with it? So it's called a GLP-1 peptide, and it's um, 
it's essentially a drug that makes it so that you feel it was originally FDA approved for diabetes and it got recently FDA approved for weight loss and mm -hmm. it's a once a week injection and basically it makes you not want to eat like you don't think about food you're you get full very quickly because your body slows down the speed in which your your stomach digests food through your um, gastric emptying and then it regulates your blood sugar. So all the things that typically create the want for food, the overeating ability, and the, the cravings for carbohydrates go away because this one drug. Mm. Fantastic. And People over studies, you know, lose 20% of their body weight doing nothing more than just taking the medication. But, you know, we run into the same conversation where clients are using and they're like, I'm not losing any weight. Well, because you stopped eating. <laughs> just because you stop eating completely doesn't make you want to, your body want to lose, lose weight. Your metabolism plays a very key role in that. Mm. So if your metabolism sucks and you stop eating, you know, it's almost like you're kind of putting less fuel in the car, but you're essentially turning down the horsepower. The idea would be to rev the horsepower up and then put less fuel in the car. And the idea behind that is to eat f small quantities of good quality food frequent throughout the day. So allow the drug to, you know, prohibit your want to overeat and stop you from eating the wrong foods, but still activate the metabolism through frequent small meal choices. Yeah. And that way, you know, you're burning more calories, but you're consuming a whole lot less. And so that, that medication under the right guidance can be extremely effective. But there's a lot of people are getting it from clinics and places that don't know what they're doing, and the results are are, are not that great. Mm. And they're like, I tried this medication and you know it didn't really work, or it worked for the first couple of weeks, and now I don't see any results. Where with us, because we have the coaching ability and the knowledge base, we can guide them on how to make it still work. And so, in what circumstances would you give the person? Um, like, is 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 there a clear line? where you give someone medication, you're like, hey, actually, you shouldn't be doing it. It's just a well, habit change. Yeah, so sometimes, obviously, we use BMI for, for certain clients. Once they're below a certain point, some medications we can't use. Um, but if they have, they need some assistance or discipline, a lot, of, most clients are fine. As long as they're screened ahead of time, you know, obviously, for appetite suppressants, you want to make sure that they're, they're cardiovascularly screened um, with some, some glutide. There's some issues that you got to be careful of, like thyroid medullary cancer, um, you know, pancreatitis. So a lot of times we'll do a lot of screening on the front end to approve them. So if they do need that medication, we can use it. But I'll tell you a pretty cool story. Like when a Zempic came out, um, everything he was just talking about was actually a side effect, right? So they started, it was a GLP-1 peptide that was meant to help the pancreas function better to release insulin properly to help people with diabetes, right? Fix the A1C. Um, usually their carbohydrate metabolism would, would be better. When they eat carbohydrates, the pancreas releases insulin pro properly. They started noticing like, wow, these people are losing weight. Well, because it slowed gastric emptying, how fast food moves through. So they constantly had this feeling of satiety. And then when they would eat, they were satiated earlier on in the meal, which is kind of like a good side effect. But mm -hmm. in lies the problem with the masses using this medication, especially following like a diabetic protocol. If you take too much or too quick, it could cause some serious like diarrhea, nausea, vomiting. So they, they should be monitored on it. Um, but my biggest like gripe, I guess, about that medication and how if it's not used right, 
people are taking it, they're seeking it out, they're taking high dose and they're not eating, no different than like a gastric bypasser sleeve. Those people get a bypasser sleeve, they tell them not to eat, they under eat, they lose a ton of weight initially, a lot of it, they end up burning a lot of muscle tissue, sacrifice the metabolic rate. What happens once they start eating again? They gain all their weight back and yeah, then and some, some because they damage their metabolic rate. And I see this happening or a potential for the people that are using semaglutide wrong is they're taking it. They're not, they're not going to eat. They're going to lose weight, but they're also going to wreck the metabolic rate. So our goal is how can we use it, get the good, help them adhere to a dietary plan, the right dietary plan so we're losing body fat, not muscle. So when they're done – we could shift them back into regular life and show them the proper way to manage the weight. Yeah, and so yes, muscles related to your metabolic. That's yeah. what I was gonna say. So a lot of people don't take into account what they lose when dieting. All they're worried about is that the the scale says something less. Mm. You know, but I mean, which is ridiculous. It, but again, it's like <laughs> you know, you, you have to think about what the life after the diet. Mm. And at some point, you're gonna want to eat normally again. And if you don't have the muscle mass to support your metabolism. That one piece of pizza that's you know 700 calories that prior to the diet you could have burned it up in your natural metabolism. If you've learned that, if you burn that muscle mass off during the diet, you eat that pizza. A good portion is now going to get stored as fat, so you're actually going to get fatter faster because mm. you did this like crash diet beforehand. Yeah. So it comes with its own degree of risk, right? So like dieting to its own its own way has a potential to sacrifice your ability to lose weight when this is over. Mm. And so again, I always like lean on, make sure you go to someone who actually knows what they're doing. Just because your local Botox place offers semaglutide now doesn't necessarily mean that's the right choice for you. Yeah. Because the drug is the drug, but the guidance is the ultimately most important part about getting you to not only the finish line, but keeping you there, you mm -hmm. know, because I would say 80% of dieters are yo-yo dieters. They lose weight, gain it, lose it, gain it. Yeah. And most of the time they lose 30, put back on 32. They lose 35, yeah. they put back on 40. The gap gets larger. So as the years I've go on, they progressively get bigger. Yeah, yeah. Well, because they're you know, like, once again, they're, they're handicapping the metabolism. And then if someone does, you know, the hardest part of dieting, I always try to tell people when they first come in, it's not even losing the weight. It's that six months afterwards, making sure you're slowly picking up because dieting inherently is no matter if you're dieting, you know, with a lot more calories, you got to put yourself in a calorie deficit. Your body eventually will adapt to that. That's why you typically got to start tearing food away mm. or increasing your activity level to be able to keep that weight loss going. So when you're done, you, you already got a somewhat damaged metabolism. So you got to take your time to slowly reverse diet, they call it, uh, call it, but you could, you know, pick the calories back up and get them back to more maintenance calories to where they could eat a decent amount of food and still manage the weight. Yeah, Most the, people don't do that. The that that aftercare is usually people are like, woohoo, I'm going back to my old lifestyle. Yeah. You know, so you got to definitely kind of spend the next six you know, months like after us being in the business. We have to try these things, you know, mm. and I personally use semaglutide even currently now. Um, I actually got injured pretty significantly about two months ago. I tore a portion of my lap muscle. So Oop, hold microphone. On. <laughs> I poured torsion <laughs> of, my, of my lap muscle and um, I was not able to go to the gym as much and I wasn't able to train as much. So I was like, you know, I, I should really suppress my appetite um, because I, I tend to be an overeater. Mm. It's very much an addictive thing to have this medication that really turns down your desire for all the bad things that you naturally do. Imagine mm. having a major vice in your in your life energy drinks, coffee, whatever it is, <laughs> and taking something that instantly takes that away. Hmm. Imagine how 
how like good that feels, you know, to all of a sudden not have this, this thing on your shoulder that's been a, a really problem for your life. Um, that's essentially for a lot of people with semaglutide is I always tell people it's like having the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. Semaglutide kind of takes a devil and says, get the hell out of here, you know, and, and mm. all of a sudden you have this like willpower that's amazing. It's scary to think that you got to stop this at some point, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden potentially go back down that road of gaining the weight back and having that addiction come back, you know, so. That's where we got to force that lifestyle change and show them the yeah. proper way. Yeah. Because you know? one thing we've noticed with like uh, with the people that are doing my 30-day challenge, I just posted on Insta. I was like, who wants to do one with me? Like I wanted to do it. It was more for me than anything else. But one thing I noticed, because I used to be a personal trainer back home, you know, I, I'd say it on like the rules were exercise every single day. You have to lose a minimum of 300 calories, which – probably like 45 minutes yeah. of weight training. It's nothing crazy, but the consistency of every single day for 30 days, no drinking, which is easy for me. I don't know anyway, but then pick one or two vices personally that you want to say like no for 30 days. What I found was a lot of people were very vague. They're like, oh, I'll give you up sugar. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> like you're giving yourself automatic permission to fail because like that means, all right, you can't have even fruit. It's no, just you can survive on that. You can go to straight keto, but yeah. But I said, like, is I once I got people getting going specific, I was like, all right. So in my instance, it's no chocolate. So I mean, I had a freaking cookie the other day, but I made sure there's no chocolate in it. But it still cuts out a lot of options that of I can have by being specific. Same as energy drinks. I can have a coffee if I want, but that drip down effect happens where I'm like, ah, I don't need it, you know, because I'm specific with the energy drinks. With one of my friends, same thing. She was like, ah, no sugar. I'm like, all right, too vague. I'm like, how about no chocolate and no candy? Just that. Like, you know, fruit, whatever. Don't overthink it. You can freaking put a little bit of syrup in your coffee or whatever. For for failure, yeah. Yeah. The second I got specific, you heard the backtracking. Oh, I need to think about it. (laughs) Ah, yeah, that's it. I don't know if I can do that. Like, because it was all of a sudden, it's like, because of that specificity, it was a clear line in the sand, mm. which I I know where I'm when I'm stepping over that line that it got real, and but isn't it easier to follow knowing your defined lines? That's the thing. So it's for some a, people, it's it a is. lot easier to. But I think sometimes people love to start things because they love the idea of it, but they're okay with they're kind the gray of gray line areas. They're okay they're with the gray because they're like I can fail, so I can say I'm doing it, and then when I do fail, it's. I tried. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's like going boom. back to the Nuviva question. <laughs> our program is like it's it's actually five different separate diet plans. Each one has its very specific rules. Mm-hmm. But if you're out of those rules, you're really not in a diet, right? So yeah, it's our jobs, our coaches' jobs to kind of identify which diet you're actually in and can stay in for the for the period of life you're in. Like we have people who are about to go on a cruise. You know, you're not going to put somebody who's on a cruise in a keto diet. Mm. they're just not going to stick to it right so so you have to then say okay well if you're going to go on the cruise maybe we cut out red meat maybe we cut out cheese but you can still have some alcohol and you can still have some fish and you can have mm. some pro you know these things so you then, cut out red meat well i'm saying in that particular diet for that uh, for okay. that for that for that moment and and then somebody can go on that cruise and they can leave thinking all right i followed that diet i didn't eat any red meat i didn't have mm-hmm. i didn't have a dessert but i had alcohol but i had you know, the, the breakfast that I wanted. And so at least they kind of stick to a plan. And when they come off, they're not feeling like defeated. They still felt like they, they followed through and they still have this sense of, um, you know, satisfaction that they actually f- fulfilled what they said they could do. Yeah. Okay. 
And so um, with with like, uh, do you guys also give them, um, I guess, ideas for training or is it more just like we, you specialize in the um, We give recommendations. Like we'll give some basic recommendations. A lot of the clinics are usually aligned with certain people in the market. So like say if like a girl came in and she's like, I don't want to weight train and I don't want to be in a group class and I want to do yoga or Pilates. Like we have certain people that we refer depending, I don't care what they do as long as they're active. So I try to find out what are they wanting and willing to do and whatever they're able to be consistent with. We'll try to like push them that way into that type of activity. So yeah. we try to just, our goal is 30 to 45 minutes of activity per day. I mean, yeah, we right. recommend them to understand when to do it and how to eat around it. Cause that's really important as well. Mm-hmm how many times you've been to a gym and you see these ladies, they leave like a cardio class and they go straight to the protein bar shake and they get the shake with the chocolate and the peanut butter and the banana. Yeah, everything else. Like, oh, I yeah. crushed it and, I, and then we're going <laughs> to yeah. some weight. It's like, you're just drank 2000 calories of a shake. Yeah, it's basically a Mars bar with uh, Yeah, protein. exactly. Right. So, <laughs> so we try to help at least if you're going to do these particular exercise programs, understand like what your nutritionist should look around it. Mm. So your goal is actually achievable. But we're, we're like, I, I would like to say like, even though I, I believe exercise is super important, you know, we try to focus on the 90% of weight management, which is the food. And I always say this, like you go to the gym and bust your ass and burn 500 calories. I could eat 500 calories in five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Calories come in way faster than you can expel them. So, you, you know, and I try to break that mindset of like, cause I go to the gym, I could eat what I want, but then people realize like, it doesn't work. Like mm-hmm. yeah, if I mean, you average person goes to gym, what, five hours a week, if they're lucky, if they're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and most of it's scrolling. <laughs> right. So most people don't work out that hard. Yeah. Well, that's why I, I always get the question. You guys probably get the same, like, what's the best workout for weight loss? And I go, Walking. not this. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the best workout. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, work smarter, not harder. You know, you still want to put yeah. some work in, but you know, just have some discipline on the food. But that's unfortunately the the hardest thing for anybody in the world to do, especially mm-hmm. now yeah, with this day and age. You know, weight loss is not about one particular thing. It's it's about making small changes throughout your entire lifestyle. It's taking that little bit of a walk before you eat or after you eat. It's cutting out a little bit of that food choice that you know is really not good for you in your particular diet, sleeping a little better, drinking water instead of, you know, fruit juices. I mean, it's all those little things add up. And, mm. and you know, the idea is that over an entire month's time, if you could drop a pound or two pounds, you know, at the end of the year, that's either 12 or 24 pounds difference. I mean, people don't really accept that like, grand scheme of, of time. Yeah. Like, I want to lose five pounds a month. I'm like, well, <laughs> over a year, well, you think like, you're like biggest the biggest loser. loser. It just you know? installs this idea that you can do that. Because they say people like that. And it's like, oh, that guy lost 10 pounds. Yeah, and the week. guy's and burning like... like Freaking so many calories all day like long, you know. Well, it's world. not even that. You go for you got people like them where they go from eight thousand calorie a day diet to a forced sixteen hundred. And nobody would want to watch a TV show. No, like stupid amount. That, I mean, that just reinforces what I just said. Like yeah. those guys are crushing calories expenditure wise, mm-hmm. and then they go back in the real world. They stop doing the activity. Well, that's and that bounce back with all of them. Yeah. All of yeah. most yeah. most of all those people, they leave biggest loser, gain all yeah. that weight back. It is funny how they blame the producers though, <laughs> where they're just like. Pfft, all they cared about was making money. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's why everyone watched the show. That's why we watched it. There's right? no ongoing treatments yeah. after. It's like, yeah, you just. You but just, we <laughs> do the same, honestly. Like people come to us expecting these monumental weight losses, and we can help them achieve that. Mm. But the moment they don't have us to like keep them accountable, the, then the question comes in: What are you doing to sustain it? You know, we're here yeah. for the easy part, which is the weight loss. We're not here for the hard part. Um, the hard part is keeping it off. You know, you go into real world, you have your real life 
scenarios mm-hmm. and, and temptations that you have to figure out how to kind of how to dance around them. Yeah. The medications we provide can always do so much. And so. Because well, everyone happens to like, they think their wake sneaks up on them. It's like, no, you weren't noticing. Like you don't, when people say, oh, I ate so bad on the weekend and I put on weight. I'm like, it's not how it works. Like, you know, it's not going to no, happen. You can have your quick. crash. You can have your bad weekend, but it's You're not going to put weight on for two days of bad eating. Like, you know, you guys eat gluttonously for two days. I'm sure you just shit it all out. Like, you know, the next <laughs> time you're going to put some water like, and say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. it's temporary weight. But if you keep at that pace, it definitely, the caloric it. surplus is That's what, the thing. Yeah. I mean, like, how do people go on a vacation? You know, and you go to Italy and you eat like shit for the whole week. And people are like, come back. I didn't, I didn't get any weight. Well, yeah, because you were exercising too. Walked mm-hmm. everywhere. Or maybe you put two, three pounds on and then you're back to your normal lifestyle. It's, yeah. you're right. It's it's this consistent bad choices. It adds up. It's like up to the end of a month, you're two pounds up. And at the end of the year, you're 20 pounds up. Mm. Five years later, you're 80 pounds up. You know, Or, or this time of year up. with the holidays, you know, people go with their holidays, put on 10, 15 pounds and they keep about two every year. Yeah, And just that. do that alone. Yeah. It adds up. Compound interest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why we set that that thing of no chocolate through December. So I did anyway, because I was just like, why? Making it, make it a hard time of year for you. Yeah, but it's I, it's I don't know. If you guys are saying like once you set yourselves a challenge, no, I'm, I'm yeah. just like I have to do it. Like yeah. I, I drove into Starbucks yesterday two days ago because I was like, all right, no caffeine. I'll just get you know a, a warm drink. So I'm like at the drive through. Can I get a hot chocolate? She's like, yeah, no worries. My like, thanks. Yeah, and then actually goes, it's that price. I'll see it. The, the, oh wait, wait, wait. wait. Shit, it's got chocolate in it. <laughs> had this weird back. Where I'm like, do you guys have any warm drinks that are not chocolate? She's like, uh, and there was this like awkward dance because she didn't know I was trying to avoid chocolate. <laughs> no, no caffeine, no chocolate. You didn't get out of Starbucks line. I had a cinnamon latte decaf. <laughs> it was the queerest drink. <laughs> but it was really like, good. Wow, that, that turned really quick. Probably, yeah. probably a ton of sugar in that though. Uh, yeah, there was, but remember, that's not part of my, my yeah, vices. Right, right, right. I have to be specific. And I went to the gym after. Don't judge me. <laughs> yeah. You can afford it. Well, listen, you have that mindset too, but you know, not, not a lot of people have that that yeah. discipline to be able to just shut it off and, and move forward. So you is know, it, we got it. Is it more that it's, it's a whatever you're emotionally connected to stronger? Like if you're connected with, oh, I want to connect with this group of people, the way that they enjoy stuff is eating crap food, that the connecting with them is more important emotionally than being healthy. And that's typically what also happens. The environment. Um, I think that plays into it. You know, I think a lot of people until they're ready to make the change, they definitely find an excuse like to Mm -hmm. use those situations like, well, you know, my friends or my social group, like, I mean, so many people tell you how their life changes socially once they start these programs. Mm -hmm. Like I don't realize the only, only friends I have was bar friends or, People, mm. we got together every Thursday night and we went to the, you know, bowl and wings or whatever. And, and all of a sudden you take that out of their lives and they're like. Yeah. What do we connect on yeah, now? No, no, I just walk by myself, you know, <laughs> that same social group. That is, well, that is a difficult thing though, you know, cause like we connect on whatever we connect with, with our friends, you know, I've had friends back in Australia where they started dating a girl cause they both like drugs. I was like, that's not a good foundation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh, fortunately, that's how most people meet alcohol and drugs, right? Yeah. So, um, and so how do people deal with those shifts? Especially family. Social- Imagine these families where you have like, you have a wife who's trying to diet and the husband doesn't support it mm. and kids that don't support it. Imagine or verbally even, supports even couples it, but not and they have little the kids, you know, and then in the house you have all this garbage food it's it's probably not easy. I mean, luckily for me, my wife's very into, you know, fitness and nutrition and I know Jeff's is as well. And he has a young boy who's, you know, I'm sure they're trying to point in the right direction, but 
it has got to be very difficult to be married to somebody who does not believe or want to support you through this process. Mm. Um, and we do hear it. Not there are literally time. couples that the husband does not support the wife in their weight loss initiative. And, you know, she's out there eating chicken and, and, and you know, salad or whatever. And, the, and she tells us, oh, my husband brings a pizza home yeah. just to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, the thing I've always said is its environment is more powerful than your will. For it, sure. Always. Yeah. You know, like, and it, it, I find it hard when people are like, oh, I need to practice self-control. It's like you do, but there's a limit. Like the um, if the if you will always become what the environment's telling you. And the, the one I always, you know, when people are like, oh, I, you know, I bought some stuff, just, you know, some chocolates or whatever, and then the pants, just in case, you know, and I'm, I need to practice my self-will. I always flip it. I'm like, all right, well, what happens if your husband just, ha like, he goes to events where there's floozy women and stuff, but he's like, he's loyal. Okay. But he just wants to, you know, he just wants to test his, his um, you know, his, his loyalty. loyalty and, you know, he wants to practice that muscle. You'd be like, no, you fucking remove yourself from that situation. <laughs> but with food, we don't do that. Yeah. If for some reason, it's like, I, I always well, do that. Well, food's got to be the hardest it. addiction to break because you can't live without it. You can't, but you can live without the shit stuff you can live in your shit house. Stuff. And that's the easiest way and to that's keep what I the did. habit. Yeah. It was easy when I lived in Fort Myers because... I never had shitty food in the house. You know, mm. we, we, we would shop. I would have whatever I had. Having a rice cake with some peanut butter was the extent of the bad the bad I could put together. That was house. bad? Yeah, that, that was sounds as bad. That sounds bland. Now I live in Miami where literally I go downstairs and there's like every bad food and restaurants right at your yeah. beck and call. So that willpower comes into play. And again, I, I always think about these people with kids. You know, yeah. there's kids cereal and all the stuff that kids <laughs> love to eat. All the stuff we love to eat that we know we shouldn't eat. Yeah. If all that was in my pantry, I would... I would have some late night bad choices. Do you just lean into like, say this could be a trick is to not go downstairs. You lean into being lazy somehow. You're like, fuck it. I, I'm too lazy to go downstairs. <laughs> just to stay away from the food. Yeah. Like somehow trick your brain to, you know, lean into a weakness that benefits you. I think the old idea that is the food tastes better than the way you look or the way you feel. Right. I and mean, there's gotta be a point of yeah, what tastes better, looking better or pizza you know I mean? that's true i don't know looking better tastes better i think i think so i mean used to tell people like you know what 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 feels better like the enjoyment of a donut or the enjoyment of taking off your clothes and liking the way you look or, yeah. or going out to a, a restaurant or having your wife look at you you know a little bit differently those feelings should make you feel better than the small satisfaction of you know eating a shitty piece of food yeah at least they should it should so how do you get But that's where it goes back to these medications cuz like mm. that kind of artificially you know supports them from making that bad choice. Uh, initially, you initially. know, I, I think it's to get them kind of in the groove and going cuz most of these people have never done this their whole life, right? Yeah. So they are great tools to use for the people that need them to to get some discipline and some structure and then once they realize they got to hold on it and obviously the way we do things is a little bit different than most um a lot of people, it's actually hard for a lot of people to go through our program and eat. Um, we actually want people to lose weight through eating, not through starving. So yeah. a lot of people realize, well, I'm not really that hungry. It's hard for me to get my food in. Mm -hmm. And then they realize, like, I don't need this vice or this thing to make me. A lot of people think the drugs is what, and certain drugs do help. Don't I'm not going to lie. But they think it's the drug. And when it more so when it comes to appetite suppressants, like they feel they need this to be able to get the job done. But maybe they felt they needed this because maybe their plan was not right. But when the 
plan set right mm. and they're not that hungry and they are starting to lose weight and they realize they could do it without it um, we have so many people that just eventually stop using them and they they kind of you see the 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 flip switch you know yeah. and they then they run with it which is awesome and what's the typical length that people are on these medications um i mean a typical average client in the program um you know you're you're 30 to 70 pound person could be like 10 12 15 weeks with us mm -hmm. um you know we I'd try not some of glutide can be a little longer yeah um but the previous medications, like the appetite suppressants and things, usually about three months or so. Mm -hmm. Semaglutide, people tend to use it longer um, because it helps them achieve their goal and then they can use it to support their goal. You know, they can kind of dial back how much they take and still, you know, kind of open up their ability to want to eat more food, but not as bad as, as if they had nothing. It keeps there. it in check. And yeah. So, you know, there's going to probably be a longer lifespan to those clients. Yeah. Okay. But at some point, like we still don't want them to think they can't do this without it. You know, mm. we, we don't want to give this false sense of they can't. Know, yeah, they have us, to be with us forever. Drug, like fall apart. We don't. We don't want to be part of that. We want people to know you did this on your own. You made those choices. Yes, these medications help you make those proper choices. But you're, you know, now you you weigh less and you look better. You're exercising more. You're drinking more water. You know, for a lot of times, um, you know, we kind of go off track in life and it takes something significant to put us back on the right track. Right. Mm -hmm. And as, as, as much of it sounds, you know, whatever, picking up the phone and calling us and admitting, Hey, I need help. That for a lot of people is that first point of getting onto the track. Yeah. Starting to eat right. Starting to see results. They're now down the track and they're starting to feel the track's actually real. The medication makes staying on the track a lot easier. And then they realize that they don't need, the shitty food they don't need the alcohol every night they don't need the pizza that staying on track is easier so they can eventually kind of like wean off of all the support pieces that we provide and hopefully stay you know steady the course if you guys had to pick one thing for like what's the person's hardest like biggest barriers for people losing weight what would it be i would have to say well there's number one would be alcohol you know, alcohol is tough for a lot of people socially, you know, more so in here in Southwest Florida, but <laughs> everyone yeah, likes to Australia. Be, yeah. I'd say alcohol and lack of exercise, you know, mm. just lack of movement. Well, and, and then lack of actual Time. proper eating habits. You know, that's just, I'll tell you, that's the number one thing we fix day one when they come in is try to restructure their eating habits. I mean, everyone, I can't tell you, I have never had anybody come in with okay eating habits, but usually those aren't the clients that are coming in that are overweight. Most yeah. of them all have a, a screwed up eating habit or structure to how they eat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it's sad too, like the quality of the food that we have available to us now, comparably to what it was 20 years ago, we're just not prepared and designed to eat the garbage that we're being fed. Yeah. You know, all the seed oils that's in all the food that we're, pro you know, given all the processed foods, it's just not. It's not real food anymore. It's all mm. hormonally, you know, filled chicken and, and the beef has got all sorts of garbage in it. And I don't care what diet you subscribe to, vegan, pescatarian, carnivore. Oh, you knocked it again. Damn this microphone. <laughs> carnivore. <laughs> Every one of these diets has their own problem that goes inside with it, you know? Yeah. And so it's just 
you know, people need to figure out, we all need to figure out which program we're going to do and what we can do to combat it. And again, it goes back to like not drinking when you can afford to not, I mean, you should still have a social life, but you can't drink every single night. You know, mm. you, you got to figure out when to cut out the, the desserts and the things that you know you should be having and try to exercise more than you used to and, you know, keep yourself moving in the right direction. It's, it's a big, it's a big recipe and there's many ingredients that go into it. Yeah. And so, um, uh, what is it? I heard about alcohol recently. They said like, I think it was Huberman was talking about it. And it's something like it's, it's real detrimental, not only to our body, but our brain. Like, uh, fuck, I'm batching this now. Yeah, I could imagine. It was something, <laughs> yeah. So with people that tr struggle for like, you know, they like to socialize, alcohol is the way in which they do socialize. Do you guys have any like techniques to help them get past that? I mean, or as far as psychologists, then yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> definitely, but I'll tell you from like a weight loss standpoint, you know, a lot of people think that alcohol because of the calories and, you know, one drink, whether it's a beer, a glass of wine, shot of vodka, like typically takes the liver, what, six to eight hours to process. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to lose weight and I'll, and I'll talk about like the other thing that happens when people drink, but when you're trying to lose weight, you need your liver firing and function at its best. Not to mention like when you drink, you get dehydrated and then it causes people feel off. They hold water weight. They feel worse they eat bad the next day or when they're drinking their inhibitions go down so they typically tend to start eating things they wouldn't or like ah oh, screw the diet could wait till tomorrow yeah but the main thing is is keeping the liver firing functioning the way it should when they're trying to lose weight i'll tell you that's i i used to work with athletes for years and you know predominantly like female athletes and they, they would be training they would have a a trainer their nutrition was amazing but it was like they had that glass of wine at night or the guys would have the beer at night and they're like i can't get rid of this last five 10 15 pounds and i'd argue with them and argue to try to get them to drop the alcohol just that little bit and they're like no it's not it and then they would finally like say okay i'll do it and it was like the minute they dropped it it was like mm. came off no problem felt better fine and then they got away from it and they're like I, I don't really need it i don't feel good when i do it um yeah. so it does hold a lot of people up on a weight loss to weight manage obviously you're staying with your calories you, you could work it in in moderation but everything in moderation and the detriment to alcohol goes beyond that like you eat poorly after because you make bad choices if you're hung over the next morning you're not going to get up and exercise at the capacity you would if you didn't you're probably dehydrated i mean listen i'm not i'm i like to drink just like everybody else here and there um but i recognize the detriment it does to me especially as i'm getting older yeah you know, when i was younger it was no problem and i'm not just simply saying hold on we're gonna fix this, this thing is, i barely touch it um it's very temperamental yeah it doesn't like me maybe you just got a static touch you, right. got that, you got that electronic touch. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's not just me. the alcohol affecting your your being hungover. It's literally the actions that happen for the 24 hours after. And you're not, mm -hmm. you're just not firing on all cylinders, you know. And so if you take one day out of the week where all of a sudden you slow down all your processes, it's going to add up pretty quickly. Yeah, okay. And so... Um, you mentioned that it, like it takes six to eight hours to yeah, process per the drink. Tipper, yeah. Does that affect then the processing of any other foods that come through as well? I mean, no, your body's still going to work and process. It's just the function of the liver. Think about it. I could have you take a drink tonight pull your blood work tomorrow and you're going to have some elevation in your liver enzymes, which shows liver stress. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you definitely, you know, it becomes, that almost becomes preferential treatment by your body to be able to get rid of that and remove it out of the system. So, you know, on a, once again, on a weight loss regimen, it, it, it definitely will put a, a, a road bump in the, in the road. So. Yeah. Okay. 
So don't drink. Yeah, I mean, listen, you'll lose weight. It's just not going to be to the level that you're going to that you would want to see. You put something in your system that your body has to break down to get rid of. It's going to prioritize it over the other stuff, and that's another thing. People, shit, it was it was a big eye opener for me. If you're losing weight, where does it go? It doesn't just disappear mm. randomly, right? You have to you, you have, have to, to get rid off. of it. You <laughs> yeah. have to pee it out, or you know, get get rid of it one way or another. You actually a lot of it you breathe it out through CO two. You, mm-hmm. you, you you know get rid of it through going to the bathroom processes. The Wait, same so you breathe thing. out calories? Yeah, actually, your your body um, breaks it through CO two. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of the fat metabolism. So if you, you just, just breathe, breathe, that actually makes sense because like I know deep pe- breathing exercises, people done yeah. deep breathing exercise or learned how to sing and then they're like, I lost weight. Mm-hmm. Well, there's more calories being burned, I'm sure, just through the process of singing too. Yeah, and I guess increased oxygen yeah. allows for the the what is it? Those things that break down. It's like fuck it. I'm forgetting all the shit that I learned as a personal trainer, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, there's there's medications, asthma medications that can increase, you know, people's ability to burn fat. And, you know, they use that in hmm. different performance enhancing. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just cheating here. He's going to be like over here without one Buterol. Called, a drug called Buterol, <laughs> which a lot of people know of, you know, if you're into the bodybuilding world. And it's it's a it's an asthma medication. Interesting. So, so asthmatics have a cheat code. Yeah, I mean, just uh, <laughs> to what I guess with the drugs yeah. they're using, I don't know. <laughs> they, maybe they're limited on their uh, cardiovascular capacity, but yeah, maybe. So, um, so for anyone who like, what do you find is the breaking point for people to actually do that? Do reach out to you? Is there a consistent? It could be anything. You know, sometimes we used to think when I first started this business and the very first time we opened this clinic, I thought we would get the morbidly obese people. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be three hundred pound people. Get big seats for the you know the the waiting room and you know get ready for the for the ob- morbidly obese to come in. It's not you know it's somebody who just doesn't look and feel their best. And sometimes it's a photo that they look at themselves and God damn I look, mm-hmm. I look terrible in that photo. Sometimes it's putting on a pair of pants that are a little bit tighter than what you want them to be. Sometimes it's um, having tried a diet or exercise plan on your own, just being frustrated that you hit a sticking point seeing a friend who may look better than you a lot of times that also can get people moving along yeah instagram yeah yeah <laughs> seeing a photo comparing a 40 year old woman comparing herself to a 20 year old after women give birth and you know done doing breastfeeding they want to kind of get their old bodies back relatively quickly so the ones struggling perimenopause menopause with the weight gain hormone with changes. hormones being off uh, so what do you guys do for people that are going through like postnatal like you know they can't do anything until their breastfeeding's over. That's number right. one. Yeah. Well, once breastfeeding's over, just normal. Interesting. You know, just come to us as a normal client. And it's like a like you focus on regulating their hormones as well, or is it just purely through the diet and suppressing of? Yeah. Hormone? So in New View, we don't really get much into hormone management. Um, his actually his practice in original when he I started. I mean, we don't deal with like female based hormones from a weight loss standpoint mm. in the New View practice. Most of the time, especially mm. most most women, their hormones are getting back on track. You know, naturally. So we're just helping them drop that, you know, additional baby weight. But we do have a lot of like, you know, perimenopause, menopause females that come in. So each of our clinics in certain markets, we usually refer out um, to certain specialists that specialize in female hormones. Um, Mm. The other side of our business mostly focuses. I mean, we, we do have some female clients, but it's more male optimization. Whether we're fixing their testosterone level, so we take on those guys, but. Do you guys get more guys or girls going in to New Viva? Uh, no, it's, I would say it's probably like 70-30. You know, it used to be 70-30, female to male. Mm-hmm. I think it's 
probably 60 40 now yeah. well i think it's guys coming back yeah. you know <laughs> well just like how many men now are comfortable doing botox and being a little bit more conscious of okay, their botox physiques. is a little bit strange yeah. i'll be honest with that i'm not judging if you guys have i'm not even gonna ask <laughs> you're like i'm, I'm so excited right now <laughs> yeah. yeah give me a smile okay. <laughs> but if you look at if you look at isn't that weird though guys doing botox I mean, I it mean, depends. I, I, I was going to say, I was looking at your This forehead's pretty flat right now. Mine looks like a sharp See, mine looks like it until I raise it. Like, this yeah. thing's a beacon for sunlight. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but I'll tell you, a lot of guys. you get older, you got to protect your skin, you know. Yeah. You know, I think it's for. <laughs> He's like putting all the skin creams on. No, a lot more guys, I think, have become more open. Um, we've had, a, like, obviously in the Southwest Florida market, we, we've we helped a lot of, like, sheriff, police, fire. Like, we've had a lot of guys come through that do did really well, and I think it kind of, like, opened it up to a lot more guys. Like, all right, cool, I could do this too. Like, mm. because most guys do think it's, like, weight loss clinic. So it's only for women. Like well, Weight loss does have that, like, female it did. tone to it. Well, yeah. yeah, no, for sure. Whereas, yeah. like, Jim has men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and now you take your normal guy. A lot guy. of times the women, they'll bring their husbands just because, like, they're scared to make that first call. But yeah. then that guy kind of opens the door to all his buddies, you know. I think that's the differential. It's not that they don't want to lose weight. It's, I think, naturally most men are scared or not wanting to ask for help in the process. We think we can do it. And, unfortunately, you know, men tend to lose weight quicker when it comes to the Mm. male female counterparts is that because of the muscle density yeah, yeah the metabolic hormones. rate's a lot better hormones obviously we have testosterone versus estrogen for women so mm -hmm. like they tend to hold fat a little bit more it's always fun when you weigh a husband and wife in together and the husband drops six pounds and the wife drops <laughs> yeah. one and, and he's like, like he cheated all week but I've always, I've always said though like i thought it was more because the guys again it's that thing of comparing yourself to a biggest loser who has 150 pounds well even if there were similar weights sometimes you would get husband wives that were similar weight but, ah. but the wives yeah but still, females are still at a disadvantage uh, when it comes to weight loss mm, for sure i mean just hormonally that they're already at a disadvantage yeah is so. that also though because of i guess we have this like the ideal female body is a lot harder to attain for a woman versus the ideal men's body because women are meant to hold on more weight yeah, I mean, it depends on what I you mean, consider ideal. ideal anymore. You know, I think that's that is true. Actually, guys yeah. like thick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I live no in Miami, Britney so Spears I know it's. Yeah, I live in Miami. <laughs> believe me, I see it. It's um, it's changed since I was younger. You know, the Baywatch body isn't the ideal anymore. That's still my ideal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and now they just suck the fat out of one area and shoot it in another. What is that? That's Where crazy. Like, you can just relocate fat. It's a bazillion lifts. That is. What is it called? Brazilian butt lift. Brazilian BBL. Butt lift. Yeah, I think Lana Rose got that. It was like the most expensive. Well, it was like Kim Kardashian lift. was like the first, you know, that mm. whole, and then they everybody chased that. It's like image. anything, it turns and out now really it's quick. Like, well, if you've seen the Kardashians before they got surgery, well, now yeah, they're now all. Now I know why they did. But now they're all <laughs> Zempic and they're all skinny. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've seen the most recent pictures. Like mm -hmm. that's, we get people calling our office and they're like, I want to be on the Kim Kardashian diet. That was that diabetes <laughs> drug she's on. <laughs> And it's it's systemic glutide. Uh, so it is wild how fast they can those that family can change their bodies. Like Kim went from well, okay, is it that or Photoshop? Thick, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but she, if it's true, if it is true, it's like she was like, all right, this body shape is trending. I'm gonna have a big butt, small waist. Yeah. Then she starts dating a white guy, and she's like, I'm gonna go skinny again. Yeah. <laughs> well, you throw a billion dollars in the equation, you can achieve a lot pretty quickly. It's too. fascinating though the fact you can change your body that quick. Because I was just listening to something. Huben was talking about about you can actually change your jawline in a matter of two to three weeks, through three months. Oh, they do sorry. fillers through your jawline. Not even. This is just by and, chewing hard oh. foods. So if you eat 
soft food. I bought, food. One, of those, I bought one of those jaws side, side things. That's sick. Oh, That's man, so it was so hard to do. Yeah, you slubber everywhere. Oh, no, <laughs> I like, I like, your, jaw, your jaw like is just on fire after like five chews. That's great. I'm actually going to do one. I'm going to test across the whole year, whole year of just doing do you your know, progress. It comes things. in different like you buy like there's like the strengths or whatever. Strengths, yeah, you know, like I got the, the medium, I think, blue yeah, one. Yeah, and then green and black. And the black one's like impossible to oh, chew. Oh, dude. <laughs> the black is like chewing like rock. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's like. Because I had to lie on my back because it's like you just salivate <laughs> everywhere. Because obviously, like, for ages. There's a guy in my gym. I always see chewing it in the gym while he's training. That's weird. <laughs> it's just too much. It's like, yeah, no, it's kind of – it's like guys that do jujitsu workouts for their neck at the gym. Like, they're doing the, the, the – neck. I'm like, thing. okay, guys, I know what you're doing. But, not, like, you just <laughs> look like a freak. Yeah. Like, <laughs> trying to be Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> yeah. But – um, so, The iron neck. What? The iron neck. Yeah. I want to I wanna do that. But I don't do jujitsu. You look like a guy that does jiu-jitsu. No. Really? Maybe me look. Don't do it. Okay. I want to bang up ears. Dude, if you get in a fight, you get the iron neck, and then the jaw, it'll be like a pit bull. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Take a punch. Um, all right, cool. I also wanted, so I wanted to dive into tea clinics as well. I've got one question. It's just about one peptide in particular. BCP157. BPC. BPC? Body Protective yeah. Complex. That's what it stands for. Yeah. Okay. It's a healing peptide. Can you take it often, or is it just if you need to get healed? No, you take it as. Uh, I've been on the oral for almost five years. Really? I'm going so on bone with a, my it knees. It comes in a pill, or it comes uh -huh. in a localized injectable. So the pills for more chronic like gut, gut benefits. So if you have like like I have diverticulitis, so I take it. Um, and previously, ever using this, I couldn't eat any nuts, ground beef, sesame seeds. I was always you know arguing with the sushi chef guy, like take the sesame seeds off. Now I take it, I have no problems whatsoever. So it heals your gut, gut exponentially faster. What it is, is it's actually... We actually have BPC in our body. We just don't produce a yeah, lot of so it. And it as we get older, the same we inner lighting of your cheeks and your stomach. The reason why those two types of tissue heal relatively, well, a whole lot faster than the rest of your body is because there's more of the BPC um, tissue, like on the interior of your, of, of your cheeks and inside your stomach. Mm. So the idea is that you take this pill and it like activates the healing processes faster in those, so, in those same areas. Interesting. So what's what's the difference between BPC-157 peptide versus like HGH, which also heals your body? Well, that's actually like synthetic growth hormone. Okay. Um, that That's completely different. I mean, BPC is solely designed to stimulate the healing process. That's all it does. That's all it will do. It, you shoot it into your shoulder. It'll heal your shoulder. That's it. Growth hormone or a peptide that stimulates human growth hormone. A byproduct of elevated growth hormone is accelerated healing processes, mm -hmm. but it has a lot of other benefits. It can make your body fat reduce, your muscle mass, you know, come in quicker. It can hair, make skin, your hair nails. grow faster, your, your collagen, your face come in. It can actually restore vision. Um, some people, you know, so, so actually we'll get like coloring back in like white follicle hairs. So human growth hormone is the hormone that is responsible for you growing when you're young, right? So when you're in your early teens, like a 12, 13 year old will have extremely high growth hormone levels. So that's what makes them grow taller. And that's why like a 13 year old, if you, if you cut them on their arm, they'll heal really quickly. And if you yeah. look at like an 80 year old person who cuts on their arm, they're never going to heal. Like they heal months later. The difference in that growth hormone is, is a huge player in that speed process. Mm -hmm. So kind of going back to the original question about BPC-157, if you were to injure yourself, like I told you guys earlier in the interview, I have an injured um, lat. lat muscle. So I'm injecting that 
peptide directly into my muscle to help stimulate the growth of the muscle tissue to heal quicker. Initiate repair response. They say it can make it heal 600% faster. It has so, a, they call it the Wolverine peptide. Just yeah, like the really? Comic so I've actually used it quite a bit over the years. Um, use a I've had a torn back. Who have random from shoulders to knees to elbows. Oh, I'll give you a cool Jeff story on it. I had my knees done about a year and a half ago. It was my sixth and seventh. I'm bone on bone now. Um, they were. It should have been like 12 to 14 weeks recovery. I was triathlon training at three weeks. Really? But I use the oil. So I stay on the oil year been. round. Um, <laughs> basically, it heals gut lining, but helps pull down systemic inflammation. But usually something like immediately post-injury or post-surgery, I would say it's kind of like one of the things, the faster you could get it in after the injury happens, it would drastically shorten the rehab time. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say like if you spend, you know, you invest money when you're young, that money's exponential. Later, kind of on the reverse, the faster you get it in, in and initiate repair response to the localized area mm. you can shorten how long it's going to take so like a pec tear i had a pec tear a couple years ago um probably should have took a year six months i was back um i had a tfl but you're also using peptides for growth hormone yeah and I, I do take a growth hormone peptide not actual synthetic growth hormone so I, and the problem you run into like synthetic growth hormone which you were asking about one expensive two a lot of times you know you're kind of just replacing what your body typically would do whereas like we use like stimulating growth hormone peptides like hyperrelin or CJC, which tell your pituitary to put out more growth hormone. So you're able to kind of kind of wake up your own production. So you get the mm. same benefits, but you don't really have the negative of, of a decreased growth hormone when you're done. Yeah, because yes. you get off the HGH, right. so you can't you yep. can't produce it. Right. So you age, fa age faster. Yep. Ugh, you want that. So like there's a whole class of these products called peptides, which is, peptides is a generic terminology like the word. It seems words. like they're popping off now, like all of a sudden. Yeah, there's peptides <clears> for skin, for hair, because really by definition a peptide is just it's just an amino acid strain that has That's under natural. 40 molecules or shorter. So there's a lot of different things that kind of fall into the terminology of peptide. Um, BPC is one peptide, CJC1295 is a peptide, Ipamorlin's a peptide ibomuterin is a peptide. So there's a lot of different peptides. Each one has kind of like a program. So mm -hmm. think about it as a program. If you think about a program for a car, a program for a computer, computer, when you put that program into the computer, it's designed to tell it to do something. That same idea, that peptide putting into your body is telling your body to do something. So if you want a peptide to make your skin look better, there's a peptide for it. You know, mm. G, um, that GHKCU, yeah. which is like a copper, copper peptide. It actually stimulates collagen production and, and, and healthy skin cells to reproduce faster. So if you want to have a nicer skin, you take that peptide. If so what about someone with psoriasis? Because I work clearly psoriasis. It yeah, no, me to so psoriasis is actually like an inflammatory and an autoimmune type of response. And they yeah. have um, a peptide called thymosin alpha-1 that helps, that helps with it. Mm. Um, and actually helps like simmer down the inflammatory issues and the the, the immune process that kind she of attacks it. Help cells. Um, so... <laughs> Oftentimes people call us and they don't think that we have a solution for the products or the problems that they're experiencing. And, you know, through an interview process that we can ask them questions, we can identify typically a peptide that's in, you know, the product line that we can offer that can help, that can help something like that. Like you mm. may not think you going to a tea clinic would be a, a place to go for psoriasis, but yet we have a product that can help that. Mm. And so a lot of times, you know, we have people say, well, you know, damn, my shoulder's been achy for three years and it's like oh the bpc 157 will help with that I'm like oh well you know i have i've been losing my hair well we have a peptide that can help with like hair loss so there's a lot of different 
um, advancements when it comes to these wellness initiatives that you know we have access to now. But mm. I'll, I'll disclaimer: there's a lot of peptides out there. There's there's probably a good oh, like hundreds. fifteen that sixteen eighteen that we feel that truly work for certain situations. Yeah. You know, and I kind of like for me obviously do what's best for the client or make sure you're you're giving them results. You know, I. I feel like there's in this industry, there's so many people that will offer every peptide on their side. Yeah, for sure. But they're the, or the wrong dosing, or they just they just don't know how to apply it for the right they've way. They've read somewhere along the line that a rat being given of this particular amount of dose had some kind of a benefit. Therefore, they <laughs> sell it to humans thinking the same is going to happen. Yeah, they have ones you for have take like Alzheimer's prevention. <laughs> and you got to be careful too, because sometimes people believe in these things. And they don't want to address maybe a true medical uh, solution, and they think that or the true underlying cause. I can of what's use this on. as opposed to like a, a another solution that actually will help. So we got to dance pretty delicately on like setting expectations. Yeah. Like for example, if you came to us with a really substantial torn shoulder, I'm not going to make you believe BPC one five seven is the solution to not seeing an orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. You know, when I tore my lat, I went and saw an orthopedic surgeon and I said, what do you think the reality of this healing? And he said, the reality of me doing a surgery on this is probably just as risky as, you know, you not doing it. You don't need this because it's not like a substantial tear, but, you know, I can survive without it. So I'm risk worth reward. I just said, I'm not doing the surgery. I don't want to go under. I don't want to deal with the repercussion of a surgery. So rather than just healing naturally, I'm like, I'll do the BPC. Mm -hmm. But for some people, they clinics out there, they make people think taking this product is going to create your solution. And that's sometimes a really dangerous um, expectation to set on something that's just not going to ultimately happen because you're going to disappoint the client and maybe close the window of the time that they should have had healing it properly, you know, or, or if they needed surgery, get surgery and then apply it after surgery. So yeah. you can shorten the rehab on that. You yeah. Know? There's a time and place yeah. for when they're yeah. useful. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's definitely a problem with a lot of things now where it's like, this is the one thing that'll work. Like the miracle pill. Everyone, yeah. everyone wants a miracle pill for weight loss. It's yeah. like, there's yeah. a great meme the out there. Grail. Yeah. Well, the supplements are notorious for that, right? Yeah. I mean, supplements promise the world and typically yeah. under deliver. Well, the, it's in the name. It's supplementary. Well, like, and I'll tell you, I think I, you know, I, I said something to you about this, like too many people want to step over three dimes to get the quarter mm. and like they could get much further by just focusing on certain things like, you know, like their diet, their nutrition, their sleep yeah. or their, or their exercise. Which is the big three. You know? Like there's a great meme out there and it's like this overweight girl crying in the gutter and it's like, I've tried everything except for diet and exercise. And it's true. Yeah. It's <laughs> people the want time. the one pill or the one shot and think they can buy the result. Yeah. There is still nothing as good in, I don't care what you're trying to do other than hard work. Yeah. You diet, you exercise, you sleep, you do your stretches, you still got to do your PT therapy. Like all those things are still super important. Um, That's thinking, the only thing that'll be long-term. Yeah. It's, 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 this is, this is supposed to be complimentary. Listen, if there was, we wouldn't be in business. Yeah. Would, yeah. I mean, really. Well, no one would sell that as well. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or if we had well, it. Well, they would be like very expensive. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is fascinating how people just want the quick fix. I mean, with health, money, everything, global warming, people yeah. just want to be like, oh, we do this one thing and we fix it. It's like, yeah, well, we, stop fuck, drilling. we <laughs> fucked it up for the last like <laughs> couple hundred years. It's going to take probably a couple hundred years to fix it. You yeah, know? drive a Tesla, you'll fix it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not pay attention to the fact we, you know, it requires, what yeah. is it, gas and petroleum to make it. 400 right? years to make up for the energy that it's saving. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, um, so, so BPC, 
BPC? 157. If you were to take that, obviously, it's going to be a higher dose when you're injured. Um, if or you're more frequent use. More frequent. That's more frequent, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there comes a point of saturation. So, like, just because you inject, you know, one milligram into that injection site today, tomorrow, next week, you know, there's only a certain amount of reality of how fast that injury could heal. So, you'd be mm. better off doing, you know, 0.25 milligrams every day for a longer period of time versus a high concentration for a short period of time. Gotcha. And so if you're not injured, if it's just like a, do you guys have like a regimen you suggest? Yeah, so usually having... oral BPC, just kind of, I, I, even if everyone ever did it once a year, every six months, just for the gut benefits out of it, help mm-hmm. leaky, leaky gut. Also, that, gut that infrequent is once every six months. Did you say that? Did you say once? No, you no. Like I, I, I tell a lot of people that really don't have that many issues, even if they ran like a course of the oral BPC every six months to a year because they don't have really mm-hmm. any issues, just to get the gut benefit out of it. It's amazing what I've seen it do with people with like diverticulitis, ulcerative colitis. I mean, him alone. I, I've known him forever. Crohn's. But um, I think you were like you're asking about like a regimen just the average person could. Yeah, do. just like I mean, like how you have vitamin C every day. So we have. A, is there something like that for the growth hormone peptides tend to be the kind of everybody go to because we're dealing with adults first and foremost as our clientele we're not dealing with 18 year old you know they're still adults but kids right um if you're over the age of 30 you have a declining growth hormone level that's beginning to create age-related disease for for lack of better word which is Mm going to be bone density body fat accumulation reduction of muscle mass, losing of hair, degeneration, skin quality, inability to sleep good, like all those things start to happen, right? So your cholesterol levels, your cortisol levels start to get worse. Improving human growth hormone is the one thing you can do to kind of reverse or stop that process to a degree that's recognizable. Mm. And rather than just taking exogenous growth hormone, which is what you said, the like real, real HGH, peptides have kind of a throttled ability to allow your body to maximize its production without going too far. So a peptide is essentially um, the CJC epimorlin and ipo, or combination of epimorlin. It's a, it's a way to stimulate your body to produce more HGH within, mm-hmm. within a window that's still safe. Yeah. So that's kind of like for almost anybody looking to improve their overall look, feel and wellness appeal. That's the product we recommend. Yeah, I just want that Jared Leto effect. Yeah. Like I want to look like I haven't aged in 20 years. Yeah, there you go. That's it. <laughs> I do everything else. And so um, is it is it like an ongoing thing where uh, – or do you, you said something about six-month cycle? No, so I, no, as far as for like – That just, peptide you could do it Like I've been on for over five years, yeah. but I use it. I have some advanced osteoarthritic issues. So like – You got a lot of big sorry, words in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean for real, like I, I, I have some problems. <laughs> and, I, and I notice like when I stop taking it, it starts coming back. I actually do have my son on it. Um, he's been having growing pains and he was constantly limping. And I put him on within mm. three days, went away. I took him off. The BBC? After, yeah. I took him off after like a week and he started limping again. So I kept him on for a month um, and, and, you know – he started limping right when he came Anybody, off again. So I got him mm. through that period where he was having some growing pains and it helped him out. And there's no no side effects well, long-term? BPC-157, no. You can, you, That's you what's can cool overdose about on it. You could, take, you could take a you know insane amount of it and mm. you're just going to process what you're going to process. And you're essentially just, just trying to initiate a response in the body that ha- to happen that might not be happening or just improve the process to happen. Gotcha. Cool. But the other peptides, the one for the more anti-aging benefits um, – those you could take consistently because, you know, you're you're not 
de- you're not creating this dependency that your body's going to shut down its natural production by using it. You're just kind of tweaking the system to want to maximize production as long as you are using it. So let's say, you know, you use it for the next two years, and then for whatever reason, two years down the road, say I'm going to stop taking it. You're not going to be in a detriment because you decided for the two years prior to use it. All of a sudden, now you have a dependency issue. Mm. So you could use it for whatever objective you're looking for at that time, immune system improvements, losing body fat, you know, getting back on track training, looking better, you know, whatever it is that you want to use it for. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I just want to look young. Yeah, there you go. That's but usually it. most people typically <laughs> that, do BPC it. if it's the, for like a trick. gut issue or for like an injury. Usually yeah. I'll, they'll go 30 days, gauge the response. If it's good enough, a lot of times they'll stay on it a little bit longer. Uh, like I said, I value when I come off of it, I definitely feel it. So I, I've opted to stay on it. It's been a yeah. game changer for me for sure. There's yeah, a new okay. cool one that we use. We use NAD Plus a lot. I don't know if you've heard of NAD Plus. I've heard of NAD Drips, I think. Yeah, they yeah, use a lot of people do the drips. Mm-hmm. NAD plus is uh, it's the it's essentially the food that every cell in your body eats. The mitochondria of your of your cell consumes NAD to survive, right? So you have billions of cells in your of, of, in your body, in your skin, in your hair, in your brains, in your eyes. Every one of those cells is there to do an action. Mm-hmm. Imagine giving all those cells more food to do their job better. So taking supplemental NAD, whether it be IV, intramuscular. Oral, depending on you know what what method. A lot of choose. people use the NMN um, products, but you know that's essentially this like anti-aging kind of phenom that people are kind of chasing with with NAD plus. Mm-hmm. So we give it to people in a subcutaneous injection. So what's that mean? Uh, into your belt, into your body fat. So subcutaneous okay. is like un- under the skin into fat, and then intramuscular is actually into the muscle. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so use like little tiny insulin syringe, real real little. Looks like an eyelash, essentially the the length of the needle poke your belly fat, take a little shot, you do it every day. Um, it's the fastest way to get these types of products into your system with the most effective and efficient you know, manner. And plus, too, if you take too much, a lot of times those IV drips have to be done over like a, a couple hours. And you got to go somewhere to do it, and it's, it's very expensive. So, And it's, uh, it's good if you kind of – you're coming off of like – a lot of times like drug rehab or it's a good way to kind of help you bounce back. But yeah, you know, we do the more detox, of like daily yeah. dose, just keep power in the cells. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know about you guys. I don't have the time to go to an IV center mm-hmm. for two hours and sit there while the stuff's dripping. So we just give it to people, take a quick shot on your own and that's it. Interesting. Okay. And uh, so you mentioned something about, um, so the one five seven you can take orally that helps with your gut. Yeah. You mentioned also you can in, intermuscular. Yeah. Usually we'll use a. Smaller, Is that for the injury? Yeah, yes. for an injury. So a lot of times we'll do more of an injectable um, daily, right after injury or surgery. Daily, into, every other day. Depending. Usually in the soft tissue around the area, just to initiate response more locally to that area. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Mm. But it's again, it's a tiny little insulin syringe. So yeah, you know, if your if your knee's hurting, you just get in the soft tissue close to the knee, or like again in my case, the lat. I'm just kind of doing it right under the right under the injury area. Mm. Yeah, I better try it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what do you have injured? I got no injury. I just, just want to try. So I, yeah, even so if I you have like cranky, it's just recovery, if you like, have like cranky shoulders, you know, like if you notice, like after you train, your shoulders just kind of get overly inflamed, or just have. I have uh, honestly, it's like I have. I'm so obsessed with my body composition in terms of not just look, but it's like also it's mobility and everything. Yeah. So if I've got an injury, it's like I'm straight to physio, mm. straight to like, you know, if they tell me to rehab, I'm I'm one of the few who's like, all right, what's the exact regiment this? Boom. Right. Um, so body-wise, I'm fine. The only injury I do have was when I 
I tore three ligaments, a tendon, and chip bone off my right ankle. Um, I did the exact same thing when I was 18. Healed fine because they put me in like an actual cast. Mm, so yeah, it was dead it. Still, like still. But then this whole trend of a boot came in. So they didn't put you in a cast, they put you in a boot. So five, six years later, I did the exact same thing on my right foot. One, first was skateboarding. Second was I was jumped over a, a railing down a one-story building. <laughs> You know, twenty-four year old. It's like parkour. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of parkour. Um, but they put me in the boot, and I noticed with that because I could take it out and just at least move it a little bit. I I didn't stop it from moving entirely, so I could just properly heal. And as a result, now the ligaments are just slightly uh, weakened, that the muscle has to overtake overtake just that little bit different mm. in terms of like the synergy that my left leg has. As a result, if I go, if I use my calf an excessive amount, so running about the one mile mark, my the ligament that goes down there on you, across there, whatever it is, it rubs ever so slightly on my knee and it locks my knee up and it feels like my knee is about to explode. So there's some inflammation issues that are caused there too then? I think so. It's just, it's like, basically, it's so if, my, if you're looking straight on my leg, this side tightens up on my calf, which like ever so slightly makes it pull right. that way. As it starts compensating. And then it does that. Like I can stretch it out. It's fine. Um, I get like a feeling of mild tendonitis, patella tendonitis. Have you, have you done active release on it? Uh, I've done, I think like so. Like true ART? Like with someone who specializes in it, active release technique? Um, I I think my physio would have been doing that. She's very a lot of maybe. That, she's a I mean, sports they, therapist. Yeah, I mean it, it's a special course. Um, I mean, there. look, okay. BPC injections. If you wanted to try that area just to see if it made improvement, it can only if it doesn't help, it's not going to hurt. I mean, short of having yeah. to take the shots, right? Mm. Um, because it has an anti-inflammatory property to it. If there's something in there that needs to be healed, it will heal it faster. Mm. Like I just found out I had a so was micro- ten years ago now. No, but <sighs> it, 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 it can be it can be an old injury. <laughs> Yeah. I just found out I had like micro tears in my shoulders because I got an ultrasound when I got injured. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, do you know this is torn here and torn here? I, like, <laughs> I had no idea. Just because you, you, you start living with it, you know, yeah. and, and, and you train around it or you just kind of, you know, figure the way you feel is normal. Yeah. So. It's, it's like a dance in a way. Like, I mean, I can box and whatever. It's fine. It's like it's when it gets cold and when, it, when I've been running or hiking so. or something for a very long time. It just is so annoying because it locks up and like I got a very high pain threshold and this is like it's so painful that my knee just locks because I can physically move it, but it's so painful that my I, my brain goes, no, no, don't yeah, fucking sucks, do it. If you like, if you like to run, I mean, now you don't want to run because the pain inhibits that. Yeah. And like it's 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 funny because it's it's like the one mark, one mile mark. And I used to love just running probably two miles. Like I'm not a big runner, two miles, but I'm like sprinting. But that's like your. I just it was enjoyable. Yeah, one mile. I'm like no chance. It's like I used to like one point two five, but I have to stop at one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like, it's yeah. so frustrating. Like you know, you know, people want to do some sort of challenge, and it's you know they're like Blake, he's fit, and I'm like that's the one thing I can't do, and I'm I'm such a big advocate of like you know you're usually full of shit when you say you can't do something. But I'm like no, I physically can't. Like I'll be just limping through pain, and I'm yeah, like, it's not worth it. It sucks, but I can try that. Jabby. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. set you I would, I would do more of the oral just so he gets the total. Yeah, you take it because the oral gives like a little bit of a systemic relief. It kind of mm. releases like every area of your body that has a little systemic 
need for the healing aspect. Mm -hmm. So if your shoulders, in your case, the knee, because your body's still sending a signal to your brain that says this currently hurts. Yeah. So some action in your body is sending something down there. Um, so the, the idea of feeling pain means your brain recognizes that area needs attention. Mm -hmm. The question is, is how much attention is being brought to it for how long? And yeah. can we maximize that to some, to some degree or not? Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what BPC is doing is it's, it's bringing more attention to the area that needs attention. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, cool. TRT is next one. That one, I mean, everyone usually thinks testosterone, <gasps> you know, big dudes, uh, angry guys, small penises. And uh, <laughs> but I, I've noticed there's been a big chain, a big trend towards now TRT, like testosterone, testosterone replacement therapy for guys as they, you know, get into their later years of life. Um, Two-part question. One, why should someone take it? And two, why shouldn't someone take it? Well, let's start with one element of just to clarify. There's testosterone replacement therapy and there's testosterone boosting therapy, which is one means, again, going back to the peptide kind of concept, which is can we stimulate your body to produce more of its own testosterone? Or are you at a point where we need to completely go around it and introduce an exogenous format? So testosterone replacement means you're taking a needle or you're putting a pellet or putting on a gel that is testosterone and you're essentially putting it right into the bloodstream and you're going around the testicles needing to produce it. The testosterone boosting means we can boost it. So, you know, boosting is beneficial to more of the younger population of somebody who has a lower level, lower than ideal, and are still interested in some of the things that having testosterone replacement could create caution. If mm -hmm. you want to have children in your future, you tend to not want to go on testosterone replacement because you can actually lower your fertility rate. Mm. So, you know, you ask the question of who should and shouldn't. If you have a 28-year-old guy who has recently been married and wants to have children and he has a lower testosterone level, putting him on testosterone may not be the best choice because you may create this inability to have children, and that's not worth it. So that same one guy, you could boost his levels up through the use of different medications that are now available to start producing testosterone more so the way that it, it was supposed to be at that level or above without sacrifice fertility. Mm -hmm. So that's. And know. so what are the benefits of guys taking <laughs> testosterone? So, I mean, well, obviously testosterone or even trying to boost testosterone, you know, you take someone from a lower deficient level and get them back to a decent testosterone profile. They're going to be able to keep more muscle tissue. Their energy levels are a lot better. Their sex drive is going to be a, back to what it used to be when you're 18, 19, 20. Um, I mean, most guys typically don't decline, you know, and I've seen a lot more guys over the years, younger guys declining or, or having lower levels, but most guys don't typically start declining. Mean, we, we're kind of on the slow decline from 20. And then once we get in the thirties or forties is kind of depending on mm. the person knows that nose dives a little bit quicker. Um, so, you know, having an optimal testosterone level, whether you're, you're helping and assisting to get it back, which some guys were able to do that with. And then you have some guys that are just low enough, maybe sub 500, there's no fixing it. Either way, getting the testosterone back up to normal is, is going to hopefully get them feeling like they did when they were 18, 19, 20. Mm. Um, and like all the things I listed, muscle mass, mental clarity, sex drive, um, just, just more have that drive that you, you had when you were younger. You know, our company is, uh, our slogan is making men great again, because men truly now are not as like great as we are. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not, we're not yeah. magging we're we're without the red hats. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
because we're not, we're not the men we used to be. Uh, you know, guys that were your grandfather's age had testosterone levels that far exceeded what we do now. And mm -hmm. it's because of environmental issues, food, stress, estrogens that are in our food. Um, estrogens in your food? Oh, man. The food that we eat has so many different hormones in it that just completely sabotage your natural hormone levels. Or really? cause us to have higher That's why obesity is a problem. Women levels, have right? all these. Huh. Look how many women go through their menstrual cycles so really men early. are becoming gender neutral. <laughs> <laughs> it's a legit We will thing. maybe not get into that. And, and listen, there's a big initiative to push that too that we're trying to steer away from. So, you know, truly um, a 30-year-old man's level of testosterone on a range that's by Quest or LabCorp goes from like the mid-200s to the low 900 range, which is a huge, you know, discrepancy into itself. But 25 years ago, that level was 50 to 1,200 or 50 to 1,400. Mm. 500 to 1400 so so like literally on paper people back then had a higher natural <coughs> testosterone level than they do today um and and that just has nothing to do with the fact that that's what's more healthy to have it's just because that's genetically how the average man is kind of becoming less of a man than we used to be mm. um why because of environmental issues because of sedentary lifestyles because of the food we eat because of the drugs we take all that stuff i mean who knows what vaping is doing to guy people now <laughs> yeah. instead of smoking cigarettes? You know what I mean? Like, I've heard vaping has the same effect as crack cocaine. Or I've amphetamine. read that article too about how Huberman it has that was talking about it. Yeah, that same stimulating effect. Well, you got to remember too, nicotine's like a super highly addictive chemical. I mean, our grandparents just smoke, so, you know, like Lucky Strikes, and now like guys are running around street, you know, smoking a pink peach flavor, you know, <laughs> vape stick. Just, it's like ridiculous, but. Um, I think it's more so the nicotines. I mean, that's a super highly addictive. Because that's a nootropic, though, isn't it? I Nicotine? You, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it stimulates, yeah. like, brain functionality. Yeah. It gives but me headaches. On, I don't yeah. have people do it. <laughs> do what? It gives me head spins. Can't do it. Yeah, I can't do nicotine. Those patches and those little things that people use. Those yeah, my out. mate tried to quit once, and he had like he was smoking a cigarette while I had seven packs on. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't think they're working, dude. <laughs> yeah, He's like chain up, smoking them. <laughs> so to keep the testosterone going um, as well, just from a natural point, or at least to slow down the decline, I'm guessing exercise, yep, sleep, lifting huge. weights. I'm guessing, yeah, exercise. I mean, but you don't have to be a gym guy to appreciate using testosterone. You yep. know, like yeah. Again, we we said early in the conversation, why is it women have a more difficult time losing body fat than men? Mm. It's because of the hormones. We're testosterone dominant and estrogen recessive. Women are estrogen dominant and testosterone recessive. When we have estrogen too in our bodies, just like women have testosterone in theirs, if you up a female's testosterone level, then they naturally burn more fat quicker. And if you lower our testosterone levels and therefore Increase raise estrogen. our estrogen ratio, you're going to put fat. on fat faster. Interesting. So, Do women ever take testosterone yeah, for that reason? Yeah, of course. Hormone therapy yeah. all day. Really? It's just obviously in Most different. women use topical testosterone, you know, like a lotion they put on their skin. There are some that do injectable. Do they grow hair when they do that, though? Yeah, it's if called viralization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can. Uh, so be careful of that. Yeah. Uh, talk like Unless this. they want that. <laughs> Unless they want that. <laughs> just <laughs> don't put it on your back. <laughs> yeah. It depends on what their, their initiative is. But, um, no, I mean, so, so like – hmm. It also has a lot to do with like brain functionality. There's there's studies showing that it leads to Alzheimer's, having a lower testosterone level. Um, Honestly, you're at higher risk like visceral lies. fat, prostate cancer, cardiovascular prostate disease. problems. All those things relate to having lower testosterone levels. I mean, it's a catch twenty two. 
too low or too high, right. you're going to yeah. have problems. You know, And that's where there are risks. going I mean, to a place that's going to definitely balance the levels and make sure you're optimized and, and manage the byproduct for the medication that you're taking. You know, there are most of the clinics and obviously TRT, because you were just asking solely TRT is kind of like the big craze now and it's all over the place. Um, you know, a lot of guys, when, when they come in, you know, most ranges, like he said, Quest or LabCorp will go, say, 250 to 900 or 1,000. A lot of guys could be go to their doc and they could be 251 and they're like, doc's like, hey, you're okay. But usually when guys start getting sub 500, they're clinically having some symptoms. Mm-hmm. I, I just not motivated. I'm putting on fact. My, my sex drive's not there. So, you know, that's kind of where we kind of look at the individual, obviously look at them specifically, like you younger, if you say, hey, I'm younger and I, I want to have kids and there's a chance we could wake up your production and buy you some time a lot of times we opt to go the tbt route and be able to try to get your natural testosterone level up sometimes and we'll tbt call, is the boosting version yeah, testosterone boosting um we use a medication um usually um and clomiphene um and some uh, with a couple other things depending on the person's lab work and that um, one doesn't affect your no your tone it it tells the pituitary tells the actually, boys that put out testosterone increases your so testicles wake up so your testicles won't shrink yeah. okay good yeah. it's got big melon yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm 44, almost 44. I've been doing testosterone therapy since I was 26. But mm. when I was 26, these options weren't available. You know, so I prior to that, you know, got a lot of stuff I did off the streets and screwed myself mm-hmm. up and became dependent on testosterone. But in hindsight, I don't think I would have chose a different path. I mean, I've felt really good through my entire adult life. I feel like I look a lot better than the peers that I know that are my age, if not a lot younger. Um, and I plan on obviously keeping up with it, right? So, mm-hmm. but you gotta be able to be smart with it. Um, if you go to a place that doesn't know what they're doing, you run risks that all the scary stuff about testosterone can create. Um, if you Prostate don't go to a clinic and you're doing this on your own and you don't check your blood work and you use stuff that's questionable, whether it's you know sterile or not, but the dosing is varied. You know, you can run into risks of having too much testosterone, which can lead to assortment of different medical problems. So we're not sitting here saying testosterone is this risk-free endeavor. And if, mm. it, if it done right, like any other medication, um, you know, the the reward in my eyes and obviously everybody in our business far exceeds the risk. But being mindful of the risk is is how you how you stay away from it. You know, and how you mitigate. Any potential risks is doing blood tests and seeing a physician and talking to people who know what they're doing. Um, you know, then you can have a great experience with it. Hmm. And so they've done long-term tests with TRT and TBT. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Testosterone therapy has been going since the early what fifties. I mean, it's refined on how it should be done, or obviously how to keep things a little more balanced to manage the byproduct, making sure you're not like letting too much dihydrotestin. You know, I don't want to get into it, but like <laughs> you're gonna be like, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, just managing the byproducts, and that's where I feel like a lot of people just they don't manage the client as a whole, and they're not patient specific. And you gotta be. You can't do the cater to the masses cookie cutter because what works for you does is not going to work for him, Mm. you know, and that's where people run into problems or you get maybe clinics that are uneducated and everybody gets the same dose and they're like, well, I don't feel the same because maybe things aren't managed right. And what do they do? Like, I I see it all the time. They get, they give them more. Like, I'm not feeling the benefits of my test and they'll up their dose. But meanwhile, their estrogen's through the roof and they're not Mm. feeling the benefits of the test. And then you're causing like blood volume to get thicker. They're having prostate problems they're not addressing. So you definitely need to be managed um, on testosterone therapy. 
and just make sure whoever you go to that they understand how to how to be specific to the person. And like mm. old, old school uneducated doctors will tell you you're crazy for doing this and this is not natural and not normal. And yet, you know, my partner is an interventional vascular cardiologist and he prescribes this to men knowing that it improves, you know, your health profile as you get older, you know, and it reduces osteoporosis and it can help you, you know, reduce potential risk of cardiovascular disease and improve your cholesterol profile. Again, like anything done correctly and think about your body naturally, you're, you're a lot healthier when you're younger, when your hormone levels are playing with you, mm. when they start to decline is when all of a sudden all the stuff starts to fall apart. You know, all of a sudden you get overweight, you start having cardiovascular disease problems, your cholesterol goes through the roof, your blood pressure changes. You know, why is all these things happening as you're getting older? Most of the times because your hormone levels become shitty, you know, and so we, we want we want to make them optimal. Yeah, that makes sense. So I shouldn't take any just yet. I'll wait a couple of years. Well, I wasn't thinking about it. I was thinking about like first before you even like consider it. Like get some blood work done. Well, number one, have symptoms to to warrant the want to do it. You know, so mm. if you don't have a reason, because a lot of times we'll ask people like, why do you want to do this? I don't know. I want to mm. be like jacked like the guy in the gym. Well, if you don't, yeah, I don't want that. Yeah, no, if you don't want I like being limber. If yeah. you don't want to feel or look better, then then now is definitely not time. But if there's a part of your life that you want to improve, and it could be sex drive, it could be energy, it could be motivation, you know, then, uh, then doing a blood test is ultimately the first true sign to know where you stand. Mm. And having somebody who's educated look at that blood work and helping you decipher it's not just one number. And that's a big issue that we run to people. My total T number is a 500. That may not mean anything. You know, what is your free level? What is your sex hormone, sex binding globin hormone levels? Like these different levels that need to be played into an equation to determine like what you are versus just what's this one number. Well, and, not, and to add to that, we I get a lot of guys that come in that they're like, I don't know, I just want to check, but I think I have low T and their levels are great. And mm. they're like, well, can yeah, I my still- my wife's accused me of that. Yeah. And they're like, can <laughs> I still get tests? I'm like, don't fix it if it's not broke because ultimately like you start taking it just like growth hormone or synthetic mm. growth hormone, you you the testes start kicking down. And now say you only did it for a year or two or like these guys that take a cycle in the gym, now they start creating a dependency or deficiency and now they got to go on it. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're going to- put yourself on that train early yeah you, you know? don't want to be on that train so okay i guess it, it's definitely like it's dependent on each individual hmm and one thing to understand like testosterone replacement therapy is a permanent fixture in your life so when you make this choice to do it you're you're stuck doing it it's not mm. we don't cycle testosterone mm. like the guy in the gym that's not what the what an initiative of a clinic like ours is if you have levels low enough to warrant using them or using it um you're going to go on this and be stuck on it because there's going to be to some degree a dependency that's created, meaning your natural levels will drop even further. And then you're going to become used to this new normal high level. And once you get on that, you know, you're going to stick to it. So uh-huh. you really got to be prepared that this is something you're comfortable with, 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 you know, with. So commitment. it's a long term. Well, and I'll tell you, a lot of clinics don't say that to people. I'll, I'll tell you, I can't no, they give tell you how many people they come in and they got a good level and they put them on tests. And it's like, that's kind of one of the first things we do if they, once we, before we put them on testosterone, let them know, like, this is not a short term fix. And then, you know, you could come off and there's things we could do to try to wake it back up. But uh, a lot of times, you know, it's just not going to be fun if you decide to just discontinue therapy. So TRT really is just like a, you're doing it forever. Yeah. I'll be on until I die. If it's done right. (laughs) It's a tattoo. Yeah. It's a tattoo. (laughs) I mean, there are ways to come off. I mean, if you ever like, I mean, don't get me wrong. We've all had clients that halfway through it have decided I want to stop or I want to have a kid now. 
you know, we can do our best to help fix them. And, you know, we kind of put the disclaimer out there that this is permanent, but, you know, there is a chance we can fix it. And sometimes it works and sometimes it does not. Um, but, you know, we, we give them the best opportunity, but we want everybody to walk in knowing the full extent of the risk. Well, and I'll tell you too, if the guy's already low, no risk, no harm, right. no You're foul. Already it's already messed You're up. Already like, yeah. He's going to go like back to where you were before. But like you take a guy that say you got 800 and you go on for a couple of years and come off and now you're at 300, you're going to be pretty busy. So that, that can happen that much, huh? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so so in the case, so can you, you mentioned about the guys having, they're on it, they want to have a kid, they've changed their mind in their 50s, let's say. Um, can you still get pregnant oh, yeah. on it? Yeah. Yeah. Now there's some guys. So for any guys listening to this, don't go out there. Thinking <laughs> you're, you're not you're, chemically you're castrated no, for sure. For sure. <laughs> it just reduces the probability to some extent. So if mm. your heart felt on having a child, and you go on testosterone, you know there is a whether it be one percent difference or a sixty percent difference, we still have to acknowledge the fact that we're going to reduce the probability of fertility. Some people it's more severe. Some people it's not. We all know a guy somewhere down the road who's been on something, who's got somebody pregnant or their wife pregnant. And, you know, for that time, hey, good for them. But there's also that same one guy who wished he could have got somebody pregnant and couldn't. And now his his current wife or girlfriend's pissed off and like, why did mm. you do that stuff? You know, now we can't have kids. Or on the flip side, I've seen guys take pro-hormones over the years and it shuts them down. You see guys like take yeah, stuff everything under the, over like, the counter Like stuff. pro-hormone supplements over the counter before they started banning The Mark McGuire like stuff. The, yeah. <laughs> the Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire. No. And like Androstendione and some of those other uh, pro-hormones that were available through like supplement stores. I but I, but I've seen have younger you guys. Of, have you heard of SARMs? Nah. That must be an American thing. That wasn't SARMs were like all the rage a couple of years ago, and they were sold over the counter. They've recently been banned because they're just as they're, they're actually like um, SARM stands for Selective Androgen Receptor Module, and it's a, essentially a chemical that was designed to be like a steroid minus the effects on the androgen receptor site, so it didn't create like hair loss or prostate enlargement. But they would shut people's you know testicular function down. So these guys were buying the stuff at. You know, vitamin shop, these kids, 17, 18 year old kids buying the stuff at vitamin shop, taking it for two, three years, coming off and having erectile dysfunction at 19 years old, Oof. 20 Oof. years old, coming in, doing blood work and their testosterone levels are like 150. <laughs> like, bro, you're 19 years old. <laughs> you should be like all day, every day. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, saying like, I got a girlfriend, we can't, I came a sex her. I'm like, <laughs> wow. So of course, you know, regulations took that stuff off of the market. And that's the one time I've actually been a fan of regulations because <laughs> I think, you know, these people, especially the ones selling it, didn't know what the hell they were talking about either. And mm. they would sell it to these kids like, oh yeah, man, come on this. And this is this PCT shit that they sell. And this is this anti-estrogen garbage that they sold. And they were given this whole cocktail of $300 <laughs> of the supplements. And then these kids are breaking out with acne, you know, right. can't get their you know, up, you know, just, yeah. just, just destroying go, their bodies. Your noodle. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just destroying their bodies. And now they have to live with that. So now this 20 year old kid now has to consider going on TRT. Shit. At 20. At 20. So yeah. don't do it kids. Yeah. Don't do those drugs kids. <laughs> um, all right. So, so with T clinics, you guys offer, Basically, it's TRT along those lines, peptides. Is there anything else that you guys? Sexual health stuff. So you Ooh, know, all your really all your Viagra, Cialis's, and blends of different stuff. And there's some different unique stuff that we have that people probably haven't ever heard of. Uh, there's like a peptide product called PT141. It actually like enhances 
arousal libido and, and arousal. Right? So right, you take function. that with Tadalafil, which is this Cialis blend. So then you actually have a heightened libido and then you can actually, you know, keep it up once it's mm. up. So we have these different combos, cheaper than of course, what's commercially available, um, legitimate, not the crap that you'll get from like India and stuff. Um, other, we do a lot of wellness stuff like injectable vitamins, glutathione, uh, B12 type shots, immune system supporting shots, the NAD the plus. The B12 stuff, I've, that's not in Australia. So the B12, I know that we're deficient in it because we usually eat the dirt. What, like, what are they, what are the shots here and what's the, how much of it is given in a shot and what's the benefits of that? Like with just B12 by, by shots? milligrams of B12, you mean? Yeah, like. What well, depends on. I mean, a lot of times you use, amount. I don't know the milligram doses per milliliter. We, we use it a lot of times to like lower homocysteine. So lowering homocysteine is kind of like an inflammatory marker reduction in energy. Um, it also helps to like heighten energy levels. Guys got to be careful with B12 though, because if you're on testosterone, it also accelerates the red blood cell development. So testosterone does both do, both do. testosterone oh. stimulates androgens, androgens kind of accelerate red blood cell development. Oh, so yeah. that's kind of a caution of being on testosterone. You get more higher uh, viscosity of your blood called your hemoglobin and hematocrit. So those guys have to go give blood in order to like thin out the blood periodically. And if you don't do that and the blood gets too thick, you run the risk of getting a stroke. So that's like one of the risks oh. associated with using so testosterone. You, if you ever look around the gym, you see a guy on steroids, always red, purple. always kind of like a reddish look. Oh, yeah. like the, that's oh, the Pebble Hulk. Yeah, that's, like that. be, that's, that's <laughs> what it is. Like your backdrop here. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why that happens. But B12 contributes to that same kind of mechanism because it also accelerates mm. red blood cell development. A, a lot of times they'll prescribe it to anemics as a way to kind of help develop more red blood cells. So anyway, so a guy on testosterone plus a guy on B12, the combination of those two, you got a guy who's just pumping out red blood cells. So that sometimes is something we have to kind of like not cross over if they're more prone to those issues. I'll tell you, a lot of females actually typically feel better with B12 than, than most guys. A lot of guys Because a lot of women deficient. have menstrual cycles and they tend to have a little Lower bit more anemia. Volume. They don't have as good an iron rich. Um, or somebody on a diet helps convert the food into usable energy. We use so, the B12 mm -hmm. with the semaglutide also because it has a natural anti-nausea um, property to it. So semaglutide has a nausea side effect. It can make people actually feel sick and want to throw up. They, taking B12 along with it can actually mitigate some of those side effects. So that package is usually like a good combination. Interesting. Okay. But going back to T-Clinics. <laughs> there's, there's just, it's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's good. And that's why we try to separate the two industries into like very unique yeah. categories. But it's all interesting. It feels like it's all pretty, it can be intertwined quite like, you know, 157 also helps with weight loss because of body regulation, body. Mm -hmm. um, and most guys healing. who are working out have an injury. They want to heal faster. So they get back in the gym. So yeah. the peptide helps with it. And, you know, there's another cool peptide called ibuterin. Um, it's an oral, it's a pill peptide versus it being injectable. And it's a growth hormone stimulating peptide. But one of the things it does is it stimulates ghrelin, which is like your hunger response hormone. Mm -hmm. So it makes you hungry all the time. So the oh. opposite of semaglutide. <laughs> so for someone who's a thinner build or a tough gainer, someone who wants to actually eat more and actually put on weight or get more strength because of it, they take that product and they're gonna be eating significantly more calories. Yeah. And you'd be surprised, we talked to a lot of older men who train and they're like, man, I got no appetite. Like, I just can't eat as much as I know I'm supposed to. My trainer's telling me, eat five meals a day. 
and I just can't do it. I'm never, I'm never hungry. Mm. You know, so this really helps kind of boost that desire to eat food. Fuck that peptide had sent me broke, dude. No, I'm telling you, like, man. I took it. <laughs> I took it, and like you're eating breakfast, thinking about lunch. Oh, really? That bad? Huh? You're like, man, I can't yeah. wait to. I'm like looking at like Uber Eats, wondering what to order next <laughs> as something's being delivered. Well, because ever since I've started, I mean. Even just now cutting out, like, fuck, I don't know if it's inflation or what, but because of all the shit you guys in America put in the food, like, you have to have, like, organic's the only option. Australia, we don't even think about that. Yeah, it's all crap here. It's wild. Like, I mean, I think my my food budget alone on, during a day is, like, 30 to 40 bucks, you know, which for a little guy, that's, that's a that adds that's, up across a, yeah, across I mean, a month. It's crazy how expensive food is now. Yeah, Look at that, eggs. Eggs are, like... What three times the, the cost they were two years ago? Yeah, well, even uh, what is it? The steaks now? I mean, I have, of course, I have like a, a ribeye, but it's like you know, twelve, thirteen bucks for a freaking organic. It's it's yeah. come to Miami and see the cost of that, dude. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, like twice That's the price. Funny. It's crazy over there. It is expensive over there. Stupid it's so wild. Well, it's, you pay for what you get, but it is it is. It's shocking how expensive some things are. Mm. Which is, it's, that is, but it makes you stay home too. and eat at home a lot. I will tell you. Like, I thought yeah. when I moved there, I was like, I'm going to eat all these great restaurants. It's like 200 bucks to go get pizza and like two beers. <laughs> I'm serious. It's, it's so expensive. So I just, I just don't have the time. Yeah. I mean, a $400 dinner for you and your wife is like not, it's like appetizing. No, that's just like a normal restaurant. See, I don't know how people can live in Miami. Yeah, you can't. Like, it's, I visit there and I'm just like, I'm out. Like mm -hmm. we went to a place and had one meal, and like for my wife and I, it was like ninety, hundred bucks. I was like, what the? F and then they want a tip, but I'm like, well, no, bitch, the tips no, always no, the tips included. Oh, always. Yeah, yeah. No, sneaky bastards. Twenty five dollars a drink. The tipping thing is a weird thing here. That's a little tangent, I know, but that's not a thing in Australia. It's not. It's yeah. Not, yeah. Well, you know what's weird? Like where I live, it's 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 factored into your bill always. So whether you give me shitty service or not, you're getting the tip. Which is ridiculous. It should be the incentive to be like a good waiter or waitress, right? So, I mean, like I should, should make be. a decision. You did a good job. Therefore, I should tip you well. Don't just make me pay it and then you just yeah. then you're just like a, a shitty waitress. <laughs> so, yeah. like, what's your incentive? Because well, I've heard it's actually a little bit of like some restaurants I've heard they don't actually pay minimum wage. No, they don't. It's like two They or pay bucks. like two bucks right. and then they it's your job to make the tips back. So And if you don't make your minimum hourly wages, you get in trouble. It's like- yeah. It's, it's like the best scam America ever did <laughs> from corporate America, which is like, all right, we need to drive down prices. We'll make it culturally acceptable that the customer pays for everything. Well, now you go to these places and you like order the sandwich at the at like the at the at the counter, mm. and they flip the screen around and they're like, it's going to ask you two questions. I love that. I did that today like, at Moe's. I yeah, was like, like cool. I know what's going to no. ask me. It's gonna ask me yeah. <laughs> no, you made me a burrito. No. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so okay with doing no now. I'm <laughs> so <laughs> numb. And to they always like, like look away, like acting like they're nonchalantly like. Nah, the problem is I eat the same place over and over again. Yeah, it comes a cheap bastard doesn't. Yeah, us. pretty much. <laughs> I, I just lean into Aussies. I'm like, this is crazy. We don't do this back home. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that is a that is a wild thing. Automatically in the bill. Always. Fuck them. And then <laughs> Do you guys get tips? You guys get tips. And then when I leave and I go somewhere else, I feel like an asshole. I'm like, wait, was there no tip included in that? Mm. Yeah. I come back here. Yeah, that is wild. But then there's other things where it's like it is weird. Like you're you're helping someone's, like you're, you're doing real service, but then it's like you don't tip. Yeah. You know, like what do you guys do? It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, they should tip us. No. I went to a massage <laughs> place recently and like I was like, you, you never know. Like, do I leave a tip at this place? <laughs> is that customary? I don't know. Depends on what kind of massage. Oh, very got. gentle. It was great. <laughs> but no. Um, 
is there anything else you guys want to touch on? Because I feel like I've learned a fuckload right now. My brain is hurting, but I'm also doing one five seven. Yeah, <laughs> that'll help. Um, I, don't, I, don't know I would always say this: like one degree that both our businesses took a weird turn during COVID because of this whole attention being brought towards natural immune boosting. I think a lot of us prior to this kind of took advantage of the fact that we're just healthy people. Mm. And whether you subscribe to the idea of doing the vaccine or not, you know, people wanted to raise the bar of allowing their systems to kind of be defensive. Um, you know, we have a good artillery of products that we offer that allow you to have the most maximized, you know, immune functionality. And I think that's something that I don't care if you want to lose weight, if you want to put muscle mass on, you want to heal from an injury, regardless of what you want to do, that's something that everybody should look into. Yeah. Because the foods we <clears throat> you know, most people don't take good quality supplements. They buy some garbage from Costco that probably is not even close to what they think it is. Taking proper care of yourself could have avoided a lot of what we just went through. You mm. know, people that were overweight or had really poor quality immune systems are the ones that were the statistics. If we improved those factors, we would have not gone through what we just went through to the degree we did. You know? Yeah. It is take wild better, watching that Take better that care thing. of yourself, you know, and, 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 and allow our bodies to do naturally what it was supposed to do, which is defend against viruses and diseases and be capable of actually putting up that fight, mm. you know. But if you're, if you're in such poor health that your body can't fight back, then, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, to a certain degree, you're kind of asking for whatever's whatever's going to come next that was the thing that really like it's it was fascinating to watch it unfold about this whole thing people preaching health that were not healthy right and then <clears throat> you know the classic thing is i i think you and i were chatting about the other day where it's like before the last two years it was like if you tell someone hey you're putting your health in danger they go fuck you dude it's my right, body your business. like it's not yeah. your business. i will do what i want it's now there's drink. this virus going around which is directly affecting those people who didn't give a shit by and large, like 99, probably 95% of them. But I'm like, hey, I've done the work, so I'm not worried about shit like this. But now like I got to deal with the bullshit because of you. Yeah. But it's like, I don't get to go, <laughs> fuck you. It's my body, it's my choice. And then it was like, it felt like the whole, this was our optimal, this this was our option. All right, this it was our like opportunity. the school bell curve. We all had to deal with the worst persons. But it was our know, opportunity to talk about health for a change. Yeah. And instead, we spoke about health as in like you take one shot. That's that's the definition of health is sticking something in your body. Yeah. It's not go, go to the gym, the, exercise, get sunlight. Yeah, get some sunlight, eat healthy, gut health, gut we, health. None of that. Promote a lot of the products that we offer. No, there was actually one for that the was reasons that we were actually offering them. Yeah. There was a peptide that we had on the market called thymosin alpha one. It it was proven to substantially increase your immune system. They Basically. took it off the market during well, the COVID time. They literally stopped pharmacies from being legally allowed to produce it. Is that because of the, the emergency benefits. release thing they were trying to push? It's because they didn't want to create a solution. They wanted yeah. people to have the need to take the vaccine or to take whatever ivermectin or not take I think take it was because that emergency response thing. There's something where it's like you don't have to go through – if there's no other option that already exists to treat something, you have um, – the companies are able to just push out a vaccine or push out yeah, something probably. that they don't have to do the proper protocol. Right, now they're coming out with all this data that shows ivermectin and all these yeah. other things. Yeah, yeah. We're fine. All, all the conspiracy yeah. theories. All you know, the stuff they said that all... you shouldn't do or doesn't work. Yeah. I had monoclonal antibodies when I got it. I kicked COVID in 12 hours. Like, obviously, I'm healthy. I, I, was, I was also 
getting sunlight and I was still walking around in, you know, the lanai. Right. But it was like I had zero symptoms the next morning plus monoclonals. Yeah. No, I you know? didn't. I had COVID fast. for an afternoon. I had it like it was so last you, Christmas. You did it was the like last Christmas. Yeah, like th- two months before they tightened it up and Florida couldn't get when any. It was like anybody could get it, yeah. So yeah. it was when you could walk in and like. You got it too, with, right? No, within a day, night and day difference. Yeah. I was pretty sick. No, I'm not going to lie. I, like I was like fever was crazy high, cold chills. Next day went. Within the next day, I felt like I had four, It was four hours crazy. for me. It was literally so yeah. I, I got home from West Virginia, had a fever that night. I was like, ugh, this feels a little bit like it could be. During the day, like I, I have the tendency of I get sick at night. So if I got the flu or something, I, I think nighttime during down, the day, I'm like fine. Right. Nighttime, yeah. shit again. So it was that night I had like a, I was pretty uncomfortable. So I, I left and slept in a different room away from my daughter and my wife. Felt like oh, I'm probably all right, but I'll get a test. Boom, positive. Okay. I then found out there was a, at the Bonita Springs oh, library. library. Yeah, that's where I went. Casually just walk in. They're like, hey, how you going? I'm like, yep, got it. And they're like, no worries. <laughs> Boom. They go, your wife can come and take it too if she wants. I'm like, she's negative. They're like, it yeah, could be just a, a small viral, viral load. Like they were handing it out like nothing. Mm-hmm. Fine for the rest of the day. And then that night it was three hours of like intense fever. Mm-hmm. And literally like it was just, I went to sleep, woke back up 1 a.m. in that morning. And I was like, broke fever. Done. Literally nothing. I was still positive, but I was like zero. But see, like that's just things. like your immune system doing what it's supposed to do. You weren't, it's not an artificial drug doing it. It was like mm. those antibodies working in conjunction with your immune system fought it off. The way yeah. that I supposed to work. Yeah. Well, I, I, but my, my in-laws and everyone got it two months later. Literally, it was when like. The antibodies weren't available. They were pissed. Yeah. They were so. Well, because that other bullshit pill drug came out that they wanted to push that. Yeah, uh, that didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, people got it and then they got it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of cheated too. Um, I, like right when I started coming down, I actually took them. Like we have immune shot that has like vitamin C, zinc, glutathione in it. Mm. And then I started taking the thymus and alpha 1 before it got pulled. And then the next day I went and did the monoclonal and it was like. I, and I was. I've never been sick like that. Yeah. And it was like crazy how fast i turned it was just so acute yeah like it just came so hard like i would i'll take that any day give me like four hours of insane discomfort and then gone not it's like yeah when you have the flu that's like five days but i mean like even if that's the the worst is just laying around (laughs) but but you're relatively healthy if you would have done nothing i guarantee you still would have probably blown through it pretty quick you know yeah yeah. it's it was it's um i did it was definitely interesting also to watch the this the mentality also affected the result in a way i was like Fuck it, this well, is nothing. I, I, there's definitely a big, if you think you're going to be feeling better, I think that's a big part of it. Well, it's also, I was proactive. So I was the same thing. Went and got monoclonals, stayed in sunlight, moved slowly to promote blood, blood flow, yeah. and also was like, I'm not worried about this. This thing's gone in no time. And I was like having this race of like, how quick can I be negative? <laughs> yeah. It was four, five days, which was bummed, like, but, yeah. you know, symptomless. But then I looked at, you know, my wife, my mother-in-law, they had the mentality that they sort of wallow when they're sick and then they'd stay indoors, stay in the dark, lingered, lingered for a week, two weeks, Mm. you know, like it wasn't real bad, but it was just this constant lingering of COVID. For sure. And it was very interesting. But again, they weren't being proactive because it was like, oh, I'm sick, I'm miserable. So I'm I'm a big believer of, yeah, this thing also helps you with with a lot of it. But I think that's one of the big things that when – all this was happening, our two businesses, we really got behind the idea of let's not be scared 
of it. Let's mm. be proactive and let's really embrace the idea that there are products that we can kind of like sell and market to these clients, um, you know, that can give people a more fighting chance. You know, vitamin yeah. D, for example, like we started doing vitamin D shots as vitamin C, zinc, glutathione injections, all that stuff in combination with sun, with positive thinking, with exercise, you know, you're, you're doing everything you need to do. Yeah. That's what's important. Yeah. Sure. Health first. Yeah. Uh, so for people trying to get a hold of you guys, where can they reach? I'll so go. If you want to lose weight, no. if you want to lose weight, <laughs> yeah, if you want to lose weight, um, go to nuvivaweightloss.com. Now, nuvivaweightloss.com, those clinics are more local. So in the local areas that we service, so again, like Fort Myers, Naples, Port Charlotte, uh, we have Tampa, two in Orlando, Melbourne, Boca Raton, and Coral still Springs. Still throws me off. Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, yeah. Still so throws me off. If you're not in one of those local <laughs> markets, unfortunately, that particular option may not be good for you. But the T-Clinics USA model, uh, we have six offices throughout the state, but we can work with you a little more remotely throughout the state. So you don't have to be, like, super close. You can go to the office that's closest to you to sign up with it from a testosterone therapy standpoint. And then, and then we ship the medication directly to your home so you don't have to like come in every single week. So tclinicsusa.com or nuvivaweightloss.com. And that's nuviva, N-U-V-I-V-A. New, new life. Yeah, it used, it to, used be to be new life. life. Yeah, we used to be new life. Weight no, loss. that was actually the name of our name. Viva Espanol. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then we were told we were infringing on someone's patent. New life so, church or trademark. new life something. So we had oh, to change yeah. the name. Don't want to infringe on a church. So we spent no. all this money to get our name back in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we like tried to figure out like this really cool name, and yeah. then like, we were like, we hired so this company, like, and then they came back. Like, we got a great name for you, New Vivo. We're like, oh, we love it. Well, so our tagline like, we so own like, yeah, is it's not, it's not just a diet; it's a new life." You know, so ah, we still kind of kept it. But, yeah. yeah, maybe you just open up a Spanish market. Yeah, <laughs> do it over Miami. Yeah, that's true. Actually, <laughs> all right, cool. Make sure, guys, subscribe and uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs>